Alright, welcome to Drunk Valorant, episode number 78. Um, Chase is out of the town, so we've uh, once again got late 45 on the uh, on the podcast with us. Um, yeah, I'm very incredibly hungover, so please excuse my deadpan voice. And uh, let's... Oh, pass. You got the beard oh, growing back. I was like, something well. is different. I couldn't tell what it was. <laughs> let's go. Uh, yeah. um, of course, very valuable sure, for the audio listeners. Yeah. Uh, just to make sure, um, my name's also Brad, so if they reference me by Brad, it's me. But probably would have been easy to tell by process of elimination, so. I mean, given, you know, the level of discourse that we have on this podcast, I think people would just assume we just got confused and we're just calling you Brad thinking that was yeah. 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 It was good that you clarified is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, um but you want to start us off with uh your drink of choice here? Yep. So uh, right now I have a beer from a local brewery called Gravely. Um it's a called Channel Orange. It's a blood orange IPA. And uh, the description is like a ruby red IPA with bittersweet profile and tart berry-like overtones. Hello, adult juice box. Ooh. And, like, I can definitely see it. Like, it has, like, that IPA, uh, like, front, but it definitely doesn't have, like, an IPA finish, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you're not feeling the bitter throughout, like, the whole mm-hmm. the whole sip. It's basically, like, you just get hit with it, and then it's a nice, nice finish on it. It's really good. Yeah, we were just discussing, I don't think it was on pod, but Gas was mentioning that he believes that the one of the defining characteristics of a West Coast IPA is that hop forward, not at the end kind of thing. So maybe that would be considered West Coast style. Fair enough, yeah. That sounds tasty. Yeah, no, that yep. does sound good. Um, and I have some bourbon classically afterwards, mm, from done mm. with it. Can't go <laughs> wrong Very with nice. Tis hard to go wrong with that. Um, yeah, Hunter, what are you what are you stepping on? What do you got? So I'm going basic. Uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been a long weekend, and I'm kind of tired. So I'm going. I'm sipping on you know my go to chill beer, the uh, Kona Brewing Big Wave. Um, I had this fairly recently, but I was at the liquor store, and they had a really good deal a box of um, sixteen of them for a dollar fifty each. So I was like, you know what, hard to pass up on that for a beer I like. So. Very happy. Mm-hmm. It's just very easy right. drinking golden ale, not an IPA. Just extremely refreshing, extremely tasty. My brother's girlfriend's actually from Kona, so oh, the cool. big island of Hawaii. Yeah. So, so he said, like, next time they'll go over there, he'll take them to the brewery and stuff. Very cool, very cool. I was trying to think what else awesome. I've had by them. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up real quick, because I know I've, been, I've, I've had something. I feel like I've had a couple of... I feel like I've had a couple of their other beers. But, they are like yeah. far and wide. Like they're definitely one of the bigger craft breweries like across America. Because when I was flying to see UCAS, and then also when I was flying in uh, to for Florida or before that, like there are multiple airports I was in that had like a little like Kona like bar. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So yeah, they they have a they have a big presence. Alrighty. Well, um, I've got some. Uh... Gekeikan, I think that's probably not how you pronounce it. Uh, I got some sake um, that I'm going to be slowly sipping on along with a glass of water. Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, you Honestly, I don't know. 
I don't know much about sake, so I can't really talk too much about this. But you know what? It's fine. Hey, um, if you want to get over your hangover, you can just keep on drinking. Drink that faster. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I find that Hair of the Dog does not technically work all too well for me. Um, yeah. yeah, no, God, hangovers are like now full fucking day endeavors, if not longer than that for me. And, uh, yeah, we went to the beach last night. I had a, um, I had a party pouch of, uh, Hey Y'all, which is basically, like, hard, sweetened iced tea. Um, so I bought a three-liter pouch of that. It was kind of like, you know, adult Kool-Aid, as one of my roommates put it. And demolished that, and then went to some gin smashes. And then for some reason we went to a bar after that and grabbed another beer and ugh I was not excited to get up this morning. Yeah. Like I was explaining to Hunter there's this like concept that I have called like Schrodinger's hangover. Mm-hmm. And it's like right when I wake up, so long as I don't open my eyes, like the hangover doesn't kick in. And so it's like I was lying in bed for probably like close to an hour today with like my eyes just closed. It's being like, oh my god, like I know as soon as I open my eyes, the hangover is just going to come in in like full force. Um, but yeah, Tony dragged me out of bed to go ride um, to ride Mount Frome with him because he wanted to put the new mountain bike to use. Mm-hmm. And oh, dude, oh god, my head was just pounding all day. Sorry to hear that. Do that with a horrible hangover. That just sounds awful. I'm like, if I have a bad hangover, I'm like. Okay, not doing anything for the rest of the yeah, day. Yeah, no, I like yeah. well because we were trying to make it up there in time to meet up with one of our other buddies who like also just got a mountain bike, um, and so we were trying to make it up there in time to meet up with him. But uh, the problem was uh, we're taking we're taking an Evo, which is like a, a car sharing app, um, to to get there, but you have to park within, like, the designated, like, a home zone area, which is not where we were going. So we had to park at, like, some weird spot and then bike up a big hill to get to where the trails were anyway. And so we ended up, like, not even being able to meet up with him because he had already left by the time we were able to make it there. Mm, that's unfortunate. So in hindsight, should have slept in all day and we go biking at, like, 5 p.m. or whatever, but we didn't do that. Not that it would have made a difference, because I'm still fucking hungover, and it's fucking 9 p.m. right now, so... How I would much, have been hungover uh, regardless. How much hydration have you been consuming throughout the day, Cass? Oh, my... Like, I've just been dummying water, like, all day. Like, yeah, I've well, filled up... Yeah, not like, to sound say, too... Uh, water go, go, go. twice. Yeah. Like, I've got, like, a bladder that I ride with, uh, like, a mm-hmm. camelback, and, like... Uh, I don't know how much water it holds, call it two liters. I've gone through that twice. I've uh, just been sipping on water outside of that in general as well. Yeah. So the thing is like that is, you know, water is great, but um, if you're severely dehydrated, which is, you know, one of the single biggest cause of a hangover, mm-hmm. you really need some salt and electrolytes as well. Um, the biggest brain and kind of like coolest uh, example I've ever seen of this was that when I was with a catering company, uh, one of the most fun events I did is we did a chef's table catering event for a bachelor party. Sorry, not a bachelor party, a bachelorette party, um, mm-hmm. which was really cool because it was just me and a server and chef. And, you know, chef is very social and has had a really good relationship with the bride to be. Um, 
So basically he was just kind of yakking it up and like we had the, it was just in someone's house. So he was like preparing in the kitchen and it was one of those like open floor plan houses where the dining room was just like a stone throw away. So we just bring stuff out there. But anyway, you know, they, they had been going pretty hard the night before because it's a bachelorette party. And one of the, one of the bridal party uh, was a nurse. So what she did is she uh, prepared in advance. She, she actually brought a whole bunch of, IV bags and IV stands. And in the morning mm -hmm. when they woke up, she went person to person and hooked them up to the IV in the morning. <laughs> so they yeah. got like the best rehydration possible. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool right there. So that's what you needed today, Cass. Yeah, no, there, there is some place yeah. in like downtown Vancouver that offers that service, but it's like dumb expensive. Yeah. This um, was pro bono. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I had a, uh, one of my good friends from like first year university, um, him and one of his other buddies worked as EMTs. And so when he went to a festival, his buddy like grabbed some, some IV bags and whatnot. And yeah, while they're at the festival every morning, he'd just hook the IVs up to everybody and get them rehydrated again. There you um, go. and I also know that that's like a service you can request for in Vegas. Cause like, I know a guy who went down to Vegas for a golf tournament um also happened to be on his 21st birthday oh uh, that's so a dangerous got, combination right there oh yeah so he just got absolutely smashed and then was playing like a super high-end golf course like the next day and was just like which um he i think his girlfriend's mom got them got them a tea time at this like super bougie golf course just through like some of her connections, and he's just like apparently it's like a thousand dollars like around, um at this course usually. Wow! And so he's just like, well, I'm not gonna be hungover to go play that. So he called a doctor up to his room to give him an IV before he went. That's fun. Um, oh, but yeah. So either way, um, I'll be very slowly and sporadically sipping on some sake mm -hmm. and. Mostly just drinking water. Um, All good. It's not, not the most a, exciting. I actually had a slight hangover yesterday because uh, Friday nights I always uh, drink and then like play games online with my friends. So I was like, okay. And then uh, I had to stay at my friend's house uh, last night because he had to go and pick up his girlfriend like four hours away because she was feeling bad and she flew out there. So he was like, okay, I'll go and do that. So I watched after his dog, but he had some liquid IVs, and I was like, okay, pour that in. Let me get some electrolytes, please. God. Yeah. We really need to get know. Pedialyte as a sponsor for how much I talk about them, but I like the taste of Pedialyte, so I like to have a bottle on hand. And unfortunately, I I just dragged my bottle of Pedialyte like because I was kind of sick, and so I was like, that's my excuse to drink it. So I don't have a spare one at the moment, but it goes a long way. Yeah, um, it'd probably be good to have, like, yeah, like, it'd be nice if I just kept, like, a bottle of Gatorade or something around, but, uh, I find that the issue is, like, what, regardless of what it is, like, it kind of needs to be something that I don't really like, so that I don't feel the desire to just drink it, like, anyway, if I don't need it, you know? Yes, and so, also, like, Gatorade, um, has too much sugar. Because the sugar is going to de like the net effect might still be positive, but the sugar has too much of a dehydrating effect in a standard Gatorade. 
Hmm. Okay, maybe I get like Gatorade Zero or something. Yeah. Like without the ah, uh, I don't know. But like, yeah, I should get like something. Probably keep it in powdered form because I don't like the powdered form drinks. So it's not like I'd want to to drink them on like a, a day in day out basis. But yeah. like, just have them for when I am hungover. I don't know. I've also been like trying to really just not wake up hungover in general. Um, I just I just picked a very poor choice of drinks last night for that. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I usually like to do is uh, drink that type of thing before I go to bed. Try to jumpstart it. Oh yeah, that's huge. But that's yeah, that helps a lot when I'm doing that. But usually don't have it on hand. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, let's talk about some Valorant stuff here. Yeah. Uh, so there's some patch notes that have that have come out. Um, or well, through things that are going to be done in the PBE. Uh, does anybody happen to Hunter? Do you happen to have those up, or should I find Guess them? what? So, I took care of it already. Uh, oh. you see that spreadsheet right there? Uh, look, look at the tabs. <laughs> oh, very, very nice. Yeah, uh, Blade, his big. preparation for this podcast has been really, really good. It's so cool. Yeah, this is, this is more prep yeah. for a podcast than literally either of the three of us have ever done before, being Hunter, Chase, and myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm oh. a, I have a finance degree, so, you know, like, Excel's in my DNA, mm-hmm. I guess. So, uh, that kind of yeah. made me, like, was like, I'll just put that in Excel, fuck it. Alrighty, so. that is mm-hmm. awesome. Alright, so let's just, uh, let's just jump right into it here. Um, first things first, uh, this is all stuff that's going into the PBE. So, like, there's not a guarantee that it's going to make it into the actual game but it's almost a guarantee it's almost a guarantee like i i don't i can't think of any change off the top of my head that was in the pbe that did not actually make it to the live game i think there might be uh the only stuff that might happen is like bigger system stuff like Mm -hmm. they might have like ui changes and stuff that they're like we're putting it out there for people to see but we're not quite ready to like put it out bug free yeah i think that's happened before but it came out eventually yeah like that's the type of stuff that they put on the pb that's not guaranteed but balance changes those are usually pretty guaranteed so should be pretty free to talk about them as if they're gonna happen yeah yeah um so yeah oh wait sorry what are you gonna say hunter i was just gonna say one thing that i don't know that i'm curious if either of you guys know is this stuff is coming into the pbe right now and that means, well, it's in the PBE now. And then on Tuesday, it's going to presumably be in the live game. So how does that work in terms of timing for Pro? Would this, is, it, is the 6.11, which is the PBE patch, is that going to be the uh, patch for um, the International? Or is it still going to be 6.10? That's, that's what I'm not sure. I would assume this is coming out in time such that they would be able to play on this patch for Tokyo. But... Because I, I think they stated that they need two weeks. Like that like the that it's gotta be live for two weeks before um like the, the tournament for them to, to play on that patch. And I think that like I mean it's something that Riot really tries to do is they don't like pushing changes that aren't going to be played in their major tournament because they want 
they want their big tournaments to be played in the same form right. that that the rest of the game is being played in. Um, it's just sometimes, like, it, it has happened before where, like, the changes didn't come out early enough for teams to have gotten the experience playing with the changes. So, I don't know, hopefully this is going to be the case for, um, that, like, they are going to be playing on this patch for Tokyo, but I, I don't think that's been confirmed either way as to whether or not they will or they won't. The only thing that really gives me pause is that, like, I think the biggest part are the Pearl changes, and I feel like they could vastly, like, change how people play, at least around B-Site, and we'll get yes. into it later. Yeah. Um, so I could see that maybe making teams wary about it, but uh, since it is partnered stuff, maybe there's more, like, agreement behind everyone being like, yeah, we're down to play this, versus uh, no... <laughs> Let's just keep it how it was because we've been playing on this and the whole regular season was on very similar patches, if not like the same patch. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like like I, I, I could see them doing it that way, but I think it'd be dumb if they if they take that route. I feel like there's there, there is enough time for you to rework how you want to play on that map, but well, I guess we'll get there when we get to the pearl changes. Well, I think in general um, yeah. with the PBE changes, I hope that they play it on 6.10. For the reason being that, well, yes, you have time to get the theory down in terms of how you want to adjust to the changes if you're one of the, uh, the international teams. Um, you don't, you know, you don't have the opportunity to test it in any competition, even though you can scrim it. Scrims aren't the same. Um so I, I kind of hope they don't play on this patch, but I, I kind of expect they will, based on what Cass said. I mean, okay, but that's the that's the scenario for literally any change that they make, like, for any given event. Like, if you're like, oh, well, like, we don't have time to, like, play, like, if, like, whatever changes they made for, like, the split that just happened, right? It's like, oh, well, like, we didn't have any opportunity to play any, like, serious matches before the split started, so, like, we should play on the older patch. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's just a bad argument. Well, my, right. my personal opinion is that, you know, there are only, what, uh, you know, two two majors and then champions internationally uh, lock in this Masters and, and champions. So I, I think that, you know, you can't, if you did that for every level of the, of the thing, I would fully agree. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, the regular season is about to start, can't change anything. I just mm -hmm. think that between, you know, regional playoffs and international, that's the biggest, you know, that's going to the biggest events of the year and so that's that's why i that's why i think those in particular should be protected i don't think that every level should be i just think these have a you know special i don't know i just feel like there's there's plenty of opportunity for you to uh for you to get practice on on the the changes on pearl specifically because all the teams are going to be playing in lcq presumably are going to want to play the new pearl um so i feel like there's there's plenty of opportunities here for you to get sufficient scrims in, especially against teams that you're not going to be playing in Tokyo. So, like, you don't have to worry about giving your giving away strats, scrimming other teams that are going to be, that, like, you could be going up against. Yeah, like, I can see what you're saying. I still disagree, but I think there's probably a lot to talk about with the specific notes, mm -hmm. so I, I'm not going to drag it out anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
uh, so yeah, who let's... wants to be the person who reads it out? Because I can do it, or Hunter, if you want to do it, I don't care. I, I'm that's literally what I'm paid to do, so I kind of have to do it. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> sounds good. All right, so from Viper, we have the fuel regeneration speed reduced uh, from five percent to three point three percent. Which, to give a sense for what that looks like, empty to full goes from twenty to thirty seconds. So yeah, I think that's that's a massive change. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest part about Viper is that like her util is reusable, but now like the uptime is or you're gonna you're gonna pay for it like when you're using your uptime, you're gonna have to be yeah. way more like okay, I'm using this for when it's going to happen or I'm going to pay the price and I have to know the price. So like, yep. I think it's going to be really good for trying to help reduce uh, the Viper like encroachment. It feels like she's being played on more and more maps. Yes. And like, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Like I like Viper, uh, but I'm a smokes player. So, <laughs> but right, I don't yeah. like double controller. <laughs> so trying to help reduce that, I think Viper was probably the, better person to attack because like it feels like she was played not necessarily always with harbor so i felt like she was probably the more the person that was easier to peg down a few notches yeah i'm like i think the i think mainly what they were trying to do is they were trying to weaken what a bunch of people have been calling the uh the swamp comp um which is harbor viper but yeah like the the issue is like you nerf Harbor, like, he's just, like, he's not going to see any, like, he already doesn't see any single controller play, almost ever. Um, and so if you nerf Harbor, then that's just going to be even less so. So I think it was definitely the right idea to nerf Viper to attempt to nerf running specifically that Viper Harbor comp. Um, and I think that the... I think that the fuel regeneration is going to be really important specifically for, um, uh, like, the lurk wall setups. Or, like, when you just have a wall that you throw every single round to feign, like, you could be somewhere, and somebody's kind of got to keep an eye on that. Um, yeah. Like, it, it's just going to, like, you're just going to get less uptime on that, and therefore it's more readily, or, like, it might not be up, like, if you're going to use it to feign presence, um, you just might not have it as charged as you would like if you do end up deciding to use it. So, in general, I think it's a good change. I'm just not sure... Uh, like, I'm not sure whether that's going to be enough to actually adjust her pick rate. Because, like, I, I do think she's going to be less strong, but she still does a very good job at her role in those, especially in those double controller comps. Even if it's not quite as good, it's still pretty fucking good. And there's no alternative to to really make that work. Like, especially on bind. Like, there, there's no alternative to that, that work wall. Like, Harbor can't do that, because he has to be in a given spot to be throwing his walls. Um, he can't just preemptively throw it and then activate it from wherever he wants on the map. So, like, Omen Omen smokes being dome smokes aren't wide enough to block off that line of sight from somebody playing in sight, not from U-Haul. So I feel like she's still going to get used. 
Um, Pass, you fool. You're forgetting about Astra Alt for doing the same thing. Ah, uh, yes, you're right. True. <laughs> That's... Um, no, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Is Astra's think... six or seven orbs? Seven. Seven, yeah. Okay, so you ace every round, you pick up both orbs on the map. One orb and plant. One round. orb and plant. And then you're on offense. And this is all. No, but you can't use it. Know. Yeah, but you can't use it as a lurk wall if you need um Oh yeah, right, okay. Yeah. If you need fair, fair, if fair. you need plant. All right, all right. So yeah. you, gotta... you got me there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and those twenty seconds or however long Astro Wall better be good lurking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I will say though that um in general, I'm in agreement, and one of the things that made me say, uh, okay, this has gone too far, was seeing someone run a double controller comp that was not Viper Harbor. It was Viper Brim, maybe, on Ascent. Uh, I forget who that was. It was one of the NA teams. And it's like, bro, if you're running Viper on Ascent, we've gone too far. <laughs> like, I mean, Viper just, you know, I, I just feel like she's too strong given that her walls just don't create as much obvious value on that map, that it's kind of a line in the sand for me. I'm like, we need to dial her down a peg or two. I think a good way of putting it is that, like, I don't think it will eliminate, like, the Harbor Vipers or, like, Viper plus other controller, because, I mean, Viper is still going to be good. She's, like, I would say she's almost kind of like Cypher in terms of what you want from her to do in terms of, like, holding down sites and stuff like that. Uh, so lots of times they pick Viper over a Cypher. Um, I think it it's not going to remove it, but it'll make it more punishable, which I think is the most yeah. important thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I was just like, I, I see what you're saying in terms of, like, it being more punishing or more punishable. Yeah, yeah, it just gives Viper less flexibility, which I think is, is good. Um, one thing that... I also said to Cass, this was such an exciting PBE list of changes that Cass actually called me about the changes, which is rare. Normally I'm the one calling Cass or Chase about something exciting um, and, and ran me through them, which was, was great. I, it was cool to, to learn it from Cass. Um, one thing he said when he said there was a Viper change is I immediately threw out my idea that I've been cooking up. And I'll throw it out here as well as like, a, what do you guys think of it? And then also as a, this could be something for the future if this change isn't enough. And what I said is that the the problem with launch Viper wall is that while yes, it decayed you, you started at zero that like you would, you know, if you'd push through a Viper wall, you would take like one decay. And so that's why the decay mechanic was, that was the biggest issue with the decay mechanic with Viper's stuff. And that was the single biggest change. It, the single biggest effect was the Viper wall now being much more punishing to push through. But I was thinking that I don't, I think that perhaps the alt and the orb are a bit too punishing when it comes to that um, immediate decay, particularly in post-plant situations. So I was thinking maybe you leave the wall with the instant 30 decay, but then the um, pit and orb, you start at zero, and then maybe they very slightly buff the speed at which you take decay. Um, Because I just think the orb and the alt are some of the best pieces of utility in the game. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I almost kind of think the opposite, almost, where uh, I think the wall is such a wide, like, wide range covered, you shouldn't be punished as much of pushing oh, okay. through it. Whereas, like, the orb or something, like, that's a very concentrated area, and you should pay the price. I, I agree with the ulti that you should probably change it back to 
starting at one decay and mm-hmm. then going down maybe faster, maybe not. But it's like I think if you're pushing through a Viper orb, I feel like you need to you're paying the blood price or you should pay the blood price for doing it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got I, it. The, I don't know. The thing that I find particularly or well, I, I guess I'm just not sure exactly where I sit on this solely because like as Hunter kind of alluded to slash pointed out, um, people just used to disrespect Viper's Wall because there was no there was no punishing element to pushing through that. Um, and I think with the the amount of consistent Viper play that we're we're seeing, like perhaps it's not as evident, or like maybe the um, whoever's in charge of following POVs and stuff just don't often show this. But I feel like people are going back to disrespecting that wall at times um and so i think that like it still does need that that decay mechanic to you know it, like i feel like it needs something so that you don't just that like it's it's it makes it just less disrespectable i feel um but yeah i i, I don't know exactly where i sit on the whole life situation also, that could have also just been like a product of the time because back like I think that was 2021, like yeah. prime like 10 Sentinels era or whatever, and maybe like 2020 when people were disrespecting it. I think teams have gotten so much better at the game, or at least at the pro level, where like people have learned when to respect, when not to res- respect it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like the decay mechanic plays any mind into it because like three shots versus four for a Vandal. It's like it matters, but I don't know if like that's going to be your deciding factor in pushing through a wall. Well, it, well, it I mean, turns the phantom into a one shot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because like um, if, if I'm holding an angle and you know I'm on the defensive side of the viper wall and someone flashes me and you know I just start spamming as I'm fading away, um, you know, someone taking thirty damage as they're going through does make a significant difference on how much how likely I am to get a kill there. Yeah, and I think the oh god, I ah sorry, I lost my train of thought. Whatever. Um, I I I think that this this change might be enough for now, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, yeah, yeah. In general, I think I think the double controller comps are really strong. I just like I think it's way less exciting to watch. So I'm I don't I don't like seeing the comps as much, despite recognizing how good they are yeah our our viper harbor comp on pearl and premiere went very hard once we figured out how to mm-hmm. use it <laughs> um, and i find that like yeah, yeah. And, well even like or just to talk about that or like just to make another point on that is like you know especially when you're playing a default like or like and at the pro level where a bunch of teams have set like trap plays or um or things off barrier drop to to try get and an early pick and therefore an advantage in the round that like in a double controller comp you losing one of your controllers doesn't just fuck you over for the round yep right whereas when you're playing a single controller like like say you're playing just the omen on ascent which i think is the common way to go about ascent is you just have an omen if if they manage to if they manage to run one of these set plays and kill your omen player off the start like you're kind of fucked for getting into sight 
Like, yeah. and Ascent is so uh, defender-sided already pushing into sight that, like, just not having those necessary smokes to block off those lines of sight is, like, you're, like, you're so fucked. Yeah, if, you, if um, your uh, Omen player is Angel and he's just feeding first deaths to the enemy team. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think that's another strength of the... I, I, I think you're just way more likely to be able to convert 4v5 rounds um, when you are playing double controller. Yeah, I can definitely yeah. see it. I, I think we're all in agreement that I think mm-hmm. it was a necessary change. It was just, we don't know, like, how much it'll move the needle on double controller comps. And if it doesn't change the pick rate, how much it will actually change uh, the the effectiveness of them. Because... I I don't want them to disappear because it's an interesting way to do it. I know like it's yeah. less interesting to watch, but like if they if they're showing up, like one team does it and one team doesn't, I'm fine with that. Versus both teams just oh that's just the clear way to play right now. <laughs> as long as that's not the sentiment, then I mm-hmm. think it's a win. Yeah, and I think yeah. that we're all in agreement that it seems unlikely it's going to kill Viper. And I think that changes like this that just you know, push the meta in a direction a little bit is is good because I think teams, you know, having that potential, like Blake was saying, of, you know, one team running one thing and the other team kind of running a counter uh, comp is really fun to watch. I mean, little segue here. Um, earlier on, watching uh, Loud whip out the chamber on uh, Fracture. Was it Fracture? No, Bind. Whip out bind. the chamber on Bind today. Like what a what a switch up what what a curveball and I think things like that are uh, incredibly cool to see and um, yeah little changes like this help that become more of a thing so mm-hmm. on to chamber the well uh, right before we get to that oh you're ruining the um, segue yeah yeah I am ruining your segue um fuck it my brain is just straight up just not fucking working today man <laughs> okay oh. this is the wrong day to have. Yeah, yeah. With the yeah. yeah, I know. How you'd be um, cheesing all over the place, but you're just like, shit, I can't oh, even think. Fuck. Yeah, what are we just like? I, I can't even keep a train of thought. Um, well, let me get going right. with talking about the chamber yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it. We, it, we, we yeah, in. yeah. We, we, we go back to your segue, which I've ruined at this point. So, like, yeah, let's just skip chamber, <laughs> go on the zipline spread. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah, so chamber, um, trap, uh, disable range increased from. 4,000 to 5,000 units. What the units are, who knows? Um, I certainly don't. I think I think it makes it in line with Killjoy now. Yeah, yeah. That's it might be a little bit longer. I thought it was in line with Killjoy before. Uh, well, what somebody told me was it's 40 meters from when you ping something in-game. Or it was 40 meters from when you ping something in-game to being a, about 50 meters when you ping something in-game now. Yeah. Got it. So are these like are these units like what would that be centimeters? Sure, got something it. Something like it. that. Yeah, centimeters. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be centimeters. And but the trap. Why that be their unit of measurement? That just seems very <laughs> a shit unit of measurement for that. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Us Americans over here, we're not going to stand by any of this metric nonsense. Should use uh you know feet and inches like the like God intended. Um. <laughs> anyway, so the the trap arm speed is also halved from four seconds to two seconds and honestly i did not know it was that long um so that's kind of a surprise to me that it was a four second arm before but yeah interesting 
So I think this is probably the least significant. Well, no, that's not true. It's this. It's the. It's it's a the range. The the range is, I think, rather significant. And like, yeah, I'd have to go back. Uh, like, I, I'm curious now. I'd have to like, I'd have to go into a custom game and test it out. But I remember when the fir- when the change first came out that made his uh, his trademark no longer uh, global is it was incredibly limiting in where I could place it and where I could therefore be playing based off where I placed it. And it it was, like, just too small to to have it be where I wanted it to be and then also play the angles that I wanted to play um, or have the freedom to choose between a couple of different angles instead of it just being like, oh, I'm tied to this one angle. Um so I do think that this this change will, off the top of my head, I think it'll give me, or well, it'll give you enough range to be able to place the the trademark where you want it, and have freedom to play multiple angles. Um, so I I think it's enough of an increase, and it still limits his, uh, you know, it, it, it still give Cypher his identity in terms of having the truly global um, uh, util. Whereas, like, I think you find yeah. that, like, Astra is, like, the global smoker, but 90% of the time, Omen's smoke range is not relevant. Right, right. Um, yeah. And so I don't think it'll be a situation like that. Like, I think if they made it, like, call it 6,000 units like 7,000 units, um, I think that would effectively encroach on um, on Cypher's mm-hmm. global trap utility because that range is long enough for most of the time it not be a relevant factor. Um, but I think, I think with the... Yeah, just making it this little bit extra, extra distance, I think is, I think is a, a, solid, a solid change. Yeah, I think a good way of putting it is like I think it's not enough of a change to make it to where like Chamber can play on a different site which I think was the biggest problem beforehand where he would be able to unfairly stack sites and get info like Cypher could Um, but it allows you to still or like if you see a trademark that's active you're like okay well Chamber is still probably playing on B site bind but he could probably be playing like back elbow versus like if it was in hookah beforehand, he'd have to play like at least back sight. He couldn't go mm-hmm. that one extra step. It's it's a nice to have you change, but it's not it's not insane. I don't think any of these chamber buffs are insane because I think Riot is very careful in terms of they don't want Chamber to become right. the god yeah. agent again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh that actually reminds me, Cass, so it's like you had your cipher arc like yeah did did it make you like understand more how broken or i think you understood the chamber was broken beforehand but i mean like yes no in terms of like yeah obviously chamber was broken beforehand but like i feel like it it wasn't specifically in regards to like the global utility there is like because while it is well, that was obviously really nice. It was like it's the fact that Chamber just has that much more firepower. 
compared to, to Cypher. Um, and was an agent who can use the op incredibly effectively. That, like, like I, I don't know... Like, I, I think if you were to make this, the, like, the trademark global again, I still don't know if that'd be enough to, like, really push Chamber back into the meta. I think, like, it's probably a good thing that they don't have that, or that is not a change that they're looking to make, but I don't know if that alone is, would have been enough, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I would fully agree. I think if, uh, yeah, I, I fully agree that if even if, if if that was the one thing they changed is made his one trademark global, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to move the needle very much. I think yeah. it would have actually a lot because it was so nice or it was so nice that Chamber, like Breeze is like what I think of, like where it felt like it was most effective having the global trip. Like he was just able to place it in back halls or whatever to make sure no one pushed up. Hmm. And just having that there, that reassurance always felt like such a big boon to Chamber where it's like he could have rotated, he could play anywhere else but you always wanted that there. Like, I think that that was a huge deal for him. Uh, it Sometimes there's lots of power that doesn't feel like it's power, but it is, if that makes sense, where... Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, another example. Well, uh, I, think the, I think the Killjoy turret in, in Garage is a good example of that. And, like, I think Thinking Man's Valorant did an entire video on how that one turret just wrecked sentinels on yeah, I saw I saw the thumbnail. <laughs> I didn't actually watch yeah. the video, but yeah. Um but yeah it was just like that turret that they were they were they didn't Sentinels at the time didn't understand how what they needed to do to break that turret or just didn't have the the presence of mind to understand how much value that turret was gaining or that, or how much value Fnatic was gaining out of that turret placement there, um, and I think that's a similar situation. Like, yeah, it doesn't do all that much on paper, but it gives you a ton of hidden value. And it's just really funny that that was the situation Sentinels found themselves in because, like, that is like the classic like Killjoy turret spot. Like, how do you not have a plan for that? Well, no, <laughs> that's they, not some um... sneaky. Uh, Fnatic like slightly moved it so that you had to they they put it in that connector between um, so basically you had to swing into garage to break it if you're going to shoot yeah you had to swing into garage to break it you couldn't just wall bang it and therefore yeah like they were and like at one point he points out that they they realized what that turret was doing and they tried to they tried to like smoke off the entrance to garage so they could push in and like uh, and just like spray down that turret, and they just weren't able to get that angle right because they yeah. hadn't worked on it at all. Um, and they just weren't able to to break that turret because it was slightly misaligned from what they were used to. Interesting. Um, um, yeah. Talking about you know Killjoy turret and bring that back to the trap. The reason why I think that the trap uh, global buff wouldn't have moved the needle very much is that even though there is a definite amount of value with that. I think if, if an agent's E ability, you know, the signature part of their kit uh, isn't that is just very lacking. I think it's going to be tough to make up for that in other ways unless the abilities are really busted, which moves us to the rendezvous, the teleport. 
So now, one change, but a significant one. You now instantly equip out of teleport. Um, now, uh, Blate put a note that he then specified wasn't his about uh, instantly equipping weapon, being unsure of what that means. And I imagine how that works is not that from the moment you hit TP, you are immediately in the next spot with gun out, but that over the course of animating at the location that you're returning to, well, that you're going to with your TP, by the time the TP animation is finished, your gun is ready to shoot, which I think is fairly straightforward. I'd be surprised if it's any other way. Um, so you still have to go through the TP animation. You just don't have to do that and then pull and then equip your gun, which is the current state of things. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the current state of things, I was very curious to try this out and see how this was feeling. So on uh, Friday, I think it was, yeah, yeah. On Friday night after the PBE changes, the PBE was live. I went ahead and, and hopped on into the PBE in the range. And it turns out they um, made a mistake and didn't push the chamber changes to the PBE. So um, I don't know if they've done that since because I haven't been back, but I have not got a sense to see how this feels yet. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this is, I think this is a very solid change to his teleport because it doesn't make it more, like it, it just enables you to play in certain areas and have a fighting chance. Whereas right when the chamber, right, like right when chamber got gutted in like some of the games that I played him in, like I just never stood a chance after I TP'd out of a, out of an angle. Like I was dead regardless of whether I TP'd or not, because yeah. there was, there was no way for me to get my gun out in time before I just got swung, uh, before I got swung on wherever my TP was. And because he only has one TP anchor now, it's a lot more obvious where he's going. Um, yes, yeah. The the thing that I think will be really interesting about this this change, though, is less of less of the fact that you have a fighting chance. Although I think that is very nice. Is I'm thinking of complementary angles, uh, whereas you yep. can you can be standing in an off angle take a duel regardless of how that ends up tp out and then almost immediately swing from a complementary angle to to either finish off the duel that you started and tp'd out of or take an, an, another duel with someone um which i think is i think does a good job of making him really strong at what his intended role should be which is Fuck you, this is my site. You're not getting in. Or I, as I the as the sign is on um fences of people out in the country with scary dogs, you might get in, you won't get out. Yeah, I can see that. Um what I like I think it mainly just helps with countering the rushdown slightly. Like I think I don't know if it's gonna be fast enough to where you can just instantly do that. And I think you could still easily punish uh, Chambers if they, like, TP to, like, the standard spot that you think of if you have utility. But it's just, you can't, like, go up with a gun anymore as fast unless you have someone like a Neon or someone who can instantly get to his uh, beacon or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that's more what it's trying to help with. 
I don't know how much it will move the needle. Um, and I don't, I don't know how much any of these will actually move the needle on chamber. I think, uh, I was listening to MCE and he was talking about like how chamber has been completely underutilized in the meta, like right now, because after he was turbo broken, uh, for the pro for pro scene, uh, like once he was gutted or at least just severely tapped down, people didn't even want to try. So, um, I think these buffs, like, I don't know if they're actually going to move the needle, but they're going to let people actually try it. And that, uh, that actually happens pretty often in League of Legends. Uh, there's lots of times where Riot does buffs to champions that are like actually strong, but pro teams aren't giving them the time of day, but giving them that buff makes them like, oh, we'll see how this feels. Right. And I think right. that might be the chamber thing that they're doing here. Uh, and I think for this last one with the ult, I think that's just another thing where um, it's just going to help with the feel of him. Yeah, I think that's a quality... I think that one's more of a quality of life thing, just because, uh... I think, yeah, his ult was basically just, like, exactly in line with the way an operator... Wait, we're uh, switching to ult now? Well, yeah, Blade pointed I think we can segue to the the ult. I mean, I think they're... I think we've covered the rendezvous pretty well. Well, can I... I actually have one thing to say on that real quick. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's that along the lines of exactly what you're saying, Blake, of people just giving up on Chamber completely after the the nerf. I think that there's one thing that has been very underutilized about the uh, TP change that will be a lot better now. And it's just something that you don't see because you're not seeing Chamber at all, which is that now with the single TP you don't have to be on the same elevation as the TP. Whereas before, when you had the two, you had to be on the grounded on the same elevation as the one that you're TPing from. Um, and so I think that on maps with elevation, the ability to TP up to places, uh, along with what Cass was saying about comp- complementary angles, I think can be very strong. Because, you know, imagine you're playing Haven uh, A short, and you're in like, you know, the cubby, like right before you get to site, um, in the corner that people like to sit in with shotguns. And then, you know, you take a duel and then immediately TP on top of the boxes on the other side. Like that is a very awkward duel for someone to immediately pull their crosshair up there. Particularly if you put your TP, like not on the very edge, but kind of further back. And we'll have to see exactly how the timing would work out to see, you know, how how much time you have there. But I think going from low to high elevation with the TP is uh, going to be very strong. Yeah, but you were always able to do that before when you had two TP anchors. Well, like you could always just have your second one on that on that uh, higher elevation. Well, you're you're missing a very key thing here, Cass. When you had the two anchors, oftentimes the important thing to do was to have, you weren't able to take a duel immediately after TPing and you have the incredible value with the two of them of, you know, you can get way away. You can get to like a, you know, a super safe location with that second teleporter. So now with that not being an option and the fact that you're able to duel much more quickly with it, the idea of, you know, going to immediately going to the back of the person's head it like way up high i, I think there's some potential in that well once again we'll have to see how it works yeah. 
Maybe maybe you're not going to do it in a place that is immediately swingable. Maybe you do it back a little bit. But like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really cool. I, don't know, I, think, I think, or I'll, uh, I'll go real quick. Um, yeah, go ahead. I think before with like chamber, I'll use uh, a site on a uh, haven again. Like, if he did have his TP to uh, on a short back before like the gutting or whatever, if you want to call that the event, yeah. Uh, uh, before he'd probably like have his second TP towards heaven to where it's like he would have a like potential angle there, like in general. But now you don't even have that option, so right. giving the option to maybe do that is more significant because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have even thought about doing it beforehand, or if you were doing it beforehand, it's not using chamber to its fullest extent. Yeah, because like now, unless you're unless you're purely setting up your TP to op, which granted you will be doing that a lot. Um, if you're, if you're not doing that, your thought is I want to be in a place where I can then very quickly take a different duel or a mm-hmm. duel from a different location, which is totally different than the way you would, you know, used to think about chamber. Right. But like, I, okay. So one of the, one of the things here, and I, I believe I stated this on the podcast previously when we first talked about uh, the, the chamber nurse, but like it, it seemed like prior to these changes that they're current that they're potentially most likely putting in, um, I I couldn't see a single reason to just to play chamber over chat, like outside of it just being a comfort thing. It's like, and current like even with these changes in, I'm not sure if that's gonna be enough of a reason to pick chamber over jet now. If you're going to be playing both Chamber and Jet, well, then there's something to be said there. Maybe these changes are enough to incentivize that. But, like, if you're picking between one or the other, like, I, I feel like Jet's ability to just be more relevant on attack outweighs the potential minor benefits that you might get from chamber on defense because or like at least prior to these changes coming into effect. Now these changes might be, you know, just like it might be in a scenario where they are just barely good enough to now warrant. Okay. Well, maybe we, maybe we do still take a chamber on, on defense, especially on maps where opping is really strong, but I am not sold. Fair. I can I can see it for like I think Chamber now is like actually a true sentinel. Before like he didn't feel like a sentinel with how he played. Uh but now I feel like you would take him in tandem with Jet. Uh I think the biggest benefit of Jet or someone like Ray's something like that is their flexibility. Now, like, Chamber has stuff to kind of push uh, push him to the forefront where he can be used in these spots. He might be worse on offense, but all Sentinels are worse on offense, and they should be worse on offense, I think. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it kind of pushes him to where he's able to. Like, if you have, like, a crack shot Sentinel, you know, the Baby Jays of the world... That's a that's a joke, by the way. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I'm uh, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if there's like a map or like bind, uh, I think 
artists today was playing Sage, but now like you might want to have him playing a a chamber instead of a Sage because you can have yeah. that little bit of extra firepower and stuff, but you're still going to want your entry player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I, I see what you're saying, and I definitely think that there is some potential to occasionally see see Chamber as more of a comfort pick on certain maps now, especially from players who were incredibly good at Chamber pre-nerf. Um, artist being artist being one of them, yay, potentially being another. Yeah, or um, for players who had really never played Chamber before, like Zadok. Absolutely yep. wild. Yeah. And he picked but, up the um, Chamber. Yeah. The... Uh, like, I, I, I think the, the issue here lies in the fact that uh, you see it especially a lot during pro play, and that's you want your op player to be more mobile. Um, yeah. Specifically because retaking with an op is fucking brutal. Um, so you want that player to be more flexible, able to roam around more than uh, more than a sentinel might be able to. And, like, I see what you're saying in terms of, like, this This probably does push Chamber into more of that Sentinel role where he is really good at locking down a given site, but unless you're going to go game time every other round and they don't push into you, like, it's... It, it, he just doesn't have the ability to roam around the same way that a that a Jet can with an op. And, like, you've you've seen other players, um... Uh, who was it? Was it Leaf that was opping on, um, on Neon? A fair amount, or maybe that was I don't know. There, uh, today, there's been Victor or Victor was opping on Neon yesterday against CG. Yeah, yeah. Osmos okay. was today as well, which is wild mm-hmm. that he all of a sudden picked up Neon for the first time all season yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, Wild's doing some wacky stuff. I, I want some of what they're taking. But like, but basically, I think that like that is that is a crucial aspect to that weapon is the ability for someone who is playing that opera to be to be mobile to to take a shot and reposition and plant that seed of doubt in the in the team's mind like hey do we want to keep pushing this site in which we knew that the off was just on or if we try to rotate off have they already just made the made the rotation over and they're going to beat us to the other site um i think that that was a very strong aspect or that that's a really strong and crucial aspect to being a good opping player on defense, um, kind of like a bit of that hidden value that you were talking about earlier. Um, yeah. Whereas I think Chamber is just way more tied down to I'm here, and this is where you're not coming. And even if he's really good at that, it it doesn't have that same fear factor for the enemy team uh, in terms of like oh god what like do we need to use utility as we rotate off like do we need to do we need to flash out mid? Do we need to drop a smoke on arches? Like, um, like this guy could be anywhere. And with Chamber, I think you're just not going to see that as much. I think it could push Chamber to potentially be more of a rifler, where because uh, like if he is more of a sentinel role, you probably want him more on the rifle and having that ability. Like, I think it might be good to be like, um, I don't know. EG, lots of times I was seeing uh, in their earlier matches where they were winning, like Demon 1 would initially have the op and then you'd swap for the rifle when it was time when it was time to entry on attack. So like it could be like stuff like that where it's like you can 
have the initial op and then you could trade it out type stuff. Like that might mm-hmm. be a potential thing that might happen, especially with this instant equip. Like I don't think that matters for oping, but I think that helps a lot for uh, for your rifling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it makes it. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Uh, okay, I definitely yeah, I see what you're. I definitely see what you're saying, but like, and I think that that works out really well for EG because I believe Bustio did used to play chamber. Um, and so on EG, when Demon 1 swaps with him, like, Bustio's a good offer. Um, and so, like, it's, it's really solid to be able to, yeah, to, to search for an early pick in the default with the op, and then, okay, it's time for me to enter site, let me just swap weapons with, uh, with Bustio, who's really good with an operator also. But, like, you saw that on a lot of players who, like, uh, the one that I'm thinking of the most is, is Dapper. When when Dapper picked up uh, the chamber for Sentinels back in the day, and like he just wasn't the best offer. Like yeah. it's a particular, you know, it's it's much different from playing a from playing a rifle, and it's something that like especially at the pro level where you need or where people are good enough to be able to hit that one tap on you as they swing. Like you need to be good with the op, and I feel like. EG happens to be in a position where they are capable of making or getting really good value out of that. But you saw it in the, the Sadok, or like in the scenario with Sadok when he was playing um, Chamber for Loud. Like, it took him forever to get the first kill on the board. And like, yeah, part of that was Loud was just farming EG. Um, so he probably didn't need to all that much. But like, he's... I, he's just not as proficient with the ops, so like I, I'm not sure how effectively other teams might be able to take advantage of that strategy that you're that you're laying out there. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it might just become like a total paradigm shift, you know, where like since this strategy is like being introduced, you might want to have a good sentinel opera too. Um, one thing I will say is like I think we should just introduce the tour de force changes too because they're very small and they're just very yeah, obvious. I don't have much small to say buff. about that. I mean, we've said on the yeah. podcast in the past that um, unless an ult is super bad or super broken, it does it has so much less of an impact. Because yeah, I'll just read it out. A certain amount of rounds. Yeah, go ahead. I'll read out the changes. So uh, the fire rate was increased by fifteen percent. Uh, so I did the math on the God spreadsheet. Of uh, so it was point seven five shots per second to uh, eighty six point or eighty six twenty five shots per second. So yeah. it's not a big change, but it's a nice to have change, and it just make him feel a little bit better. But I don't think it's going to affect him that much. Like you're not picking a character for the op or for the for the ult, basically mm-hmm. all yep. anyways, except for maybe Sova. Also, potentially, Phoenix. Yeah. That's well, I mean, people just don't think Phoenix is the thing. I, I, the yeah, person like, I was thinking of is Viper. I think Viper's pit is arguably the best alt in the game, and that's... Well, the thing is, you also pick Viper for other reasons. But, like, yeah. the Viper's pit is huge. Um, no, but I'm saying, like, you... Yeah. Like, I'm saying Phoenix is in the position where, because his alt is very right. readily yeah, that's, farmable... That's fair, that's fair. And he plays... Or, like, Phoenix is a duelist, so you are likely to either... You are incredibly likely in any given round to either get a kill or die. So you're gaining pretty much at least one ult point per round. 
plus the ability for you to farm orbs, and because you're a duelist, you are probably getting, you know, a kill, two kills around, and dying. Like, it, I, I've seen teams be able to, with, with like a solid Phoenix player and him being set up well by initiator utility, be able to get that Phoenix alt like up every two, three rounds. Like three yeah. rounds is probably more realistic it's, than it's definitely a character two, but... where pro play, or pro teams will play around you getting your ult up as much as possible because it's it's a very good value for the relatively lackluster other aspects of Phoenix's kit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on for the sake of time, I think. Um, weapon updates. Uh, this one I think we can cover very quickly. Zipline spread. Minimum range on ropes. Increased to 65% of the walking speed spread. Um, that works out differently for the different classes. But the way I interpret this is that's because the different classes had different uh, walking speed uh, spreads. So this is the flat 65% of their walking speed spreads. Actually, well, it's not, not just that not. because they, uh, like, the sheriff in particular got fucking dipped on ropes. Yeah, true. You said I think my assumption was wrong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not necessarily, because I mean, I think. Uh, so I think these were like normal, like maybe like stationary or s slightly above stationary uh, spreads for a lot of them, besides rifles. Um, so I think it's kind of weird because I think probably when you're walking or running with a sheriff, it's going to be worse and worse than if you're doing it with a ghost or a frenzy. So I think that's my, I think it's what Hunter said initially that it's different mm -hmm. for everyone else when you're, when you're have walking spread. So now it's yeah. adjusting to that. Yeah. I was thrown off by seeing that the numbers were different, They're basically different percentage changes, but that's because like classic frenzy ghost and sheriff all had 0.35 degrees on ropes. Whereas they all, I'm pretty sure had different walking inaccuracies. So now I, I oh I see. Okay, yeah. got it. Now I see. All right, sorry, I just misinterpreted what you're saying. But yeah, yeah, I, I see yeah. what you're saying. No, mm -hmm. um, so no, it's standardized you know... at 65% of walking speed for each yeah. gun. Uh, now it, it says that shotguns and snipers are unchanged, which is totally fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. But uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like you can't ADS on ropes, can you? No, you can't. No, yeah. yeah. So, pretty irrelevant for for snipers, honestly. I have like and actually you're gonna get a Marshall, kill with the shotgun, regardless. Like, yeah, you're probably gonna get the kill with the shotgun, regardless. But the marshal might have some underutilized value on ropes. Rope no can... scoping with the marshal. Yes, the <laughs> the no scopes on the marshal is, pre is pretty fucking good. Well, the interesting thing um, is they said unchanged, but we don't have a number for what the spread is on ropes. So yeah. That, yeah. That's just that's a good point, but like I'm thinking of I'm thinking of split B heaven. So like when you're on defense and like the enemy team's pushing heaven, like is it optimal? Probably not. But like I could be head glitching that rope with a marshal and go for go for no scopes as you uh, as you're entering heaven, and then immediately press space to drop off the rope or whatever the drop off the rope key is. Yeah, and speaking You're of which, saying... when Cass and I were discussing this change, we thought this has to do with those ropes on split specifically. That seems to be probably why this has changed. I'm also thinking of, like, uh, Asuna on the ropes on Icebox, the classic, where she, he was just killing everyone while he was just ziplining around. Mm -hmm. Cass brought that up insane. as well. Yeah. But, like, the thing is, like, you're saying not optimal. 
I would like to change that to psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, if you're doing that with a marshal, like, like if, if you're doing that, like, good on you, but that's not the best way to play the marshal in any circumstance. No, but, like, it's something that, um, like, I, I saw Demon 1 get a bunch of value in, um, on the on the vents rope as enemy teams were pushing into heaven when he had a sheriff. He'd just be head glitching that that angle and like got multiple head taps with the with the sheriff as people were pushing into heaven. Um and like sure, is it is it lucky? Yeah, a little bit. Like I mean your crosshair still gotta be in the relatively the right spot, but like you're relying on RNG to get that. Um I mean, but I think like the luckiest player alive based on <laughs> Yeah. How what he was doing in playoffs it was crazy, yeah. um, but like that's no longer viable with the sheriff anymore. So if that is viable with a marshal, I'm like, yeah, you probably want to be playing a different angle if you got a marshal. But like, you know, sometimes like maybe maybe you are playing mid on on a split with a marshal, and you just get util bombed and you get forced out of mid, and like you have to retreat back to site. Like, you know, being head glitching that head glitching that rope as they're pushing into heaven, like, as you're falling away from it, might not be the worst option, is what I'm saying. Maybe, yeah. It's just... I I don't think that's gonna, like, move the needle on shit. Like, yeah. I don't think the marshals on the ropes was ever the problem, and if you're <laughs> oh, no, 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 a shotgun... So it's like, I don't think that's... It was worthy of changing. Yeah, it has to say, maybe I, now I there's some untapped you. potential. And no, no, maybe, I'm, saying, like, maybe. I, yeah. I'm just saying that like it's it, it might be something for me to to keep in mind just in the in the back of my head for uh, a rainy day, you know? Yeah. Um and cipher on split. If you're yeah, if you're playing <laughs> if you're doing Cass's strat, head glitching on the uh the mid vents ropes on split, you know what might happen? You might get a kill, you might miss a shot, drop down into vents, now they're barreling down on you. What, what might you want to have in your pocket? A shorty. Which brings us on to the, uh, the next change here. Uh, one of the biggest ones of the patch, for sure. Um, uh, RIP to the shorty. Reserve yeah, dude, this ammo. This first change here is actually... The first change is massive. It's yeah, insane. oh, dude. I can't believe, I can't believe they made shit. it. Yes, this is the single biggest change in Valorant ever. Reserve ammo for the shorty goes down from 10 to 6. I actually oh, don't think yeah. it's completely insignificant, but clearly the significant right. thing... Is. Okay, so you get eight shots with a shorty. When the fuck have you ever fired eight shorty shots in one given round? When I'm trolling in Spike Rush. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, what I was thinking is that uh, spamming through smokes when enemies are low. That, that's where I was thinking it might have a small effect. Um, yeah, but like, I'm still not firing eight fucking shots. As soon as those first two get fired, right? As you're spamming into a smoke when somebody's yeah. low, they're backing the fuck off. Well, you don't know that. You're going to, you maybe oh, okay, keep firing sure, in like, case they don't. I, I, I do think it's not that. Re- let's keep going. Let's keep going. We no, got, okay, like, okay. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Um, price adjusted 150 credits to 300 credits, doubling in price. Uh, close up damage before any fall off goes from 12 to 11 per pellet. And the damage after first fall off after seven meters goes from eight to six per pellet. So I, I think these are definitely significant changes, um, and Ooh. I think it was warranted. Uh, you guys had the conversation last podcast, and I actually put a, a comment in the Discord earlier where it, uh, 
where I thought it was completely warranted for them to do shorty nerfs. Little did we know they were coming <laughs> literally mm-hmm. for the next podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but my main thing was like, you're paying 150 credits for like an insta kill at short range and basically like uncontestable and smokes unless you get the instant headshot. So like, I thought it was like extremely strong and probably pretty, pretty problematic. Holy shit. I can't speak. Um, it was pretty problematic in pro play specifically where people were just getting not free kills cause you're paying for it, but it's just, there was so much value in just picking up the 150 credit gun for mm-hmm. nothing. Cause, uh, when, or like the times you switch to your classic are pretty low, but the times you can switch to a shorty and a smoke, that's pretty nice. You can do that mm-hmm. anytime. For sure. The, so, okay. I, uh, one of the changes that they made here, which I, I don't really like all that much, but I get why they did it. Um, and I wonder if there's another change that they could put in to place here that would make, I guess, make me happy with the changes. But like, I, I definitely agree. The price needed to be adjusted for 150 credits. You got way too much fucking value out of that thing. Um, and it was so cheap to be able to, to purchase alongside the rest of your loadout that it was, you know, it's like you're not giving up a whole lot. At 300 credits now, like, 300 credits is, like, that extra 150 credits is is somewhat sizable, I think, and it's going to make it way less viable to, you know, for everybody to consistently be having a shorty. Maybe one player on your team who's playing um, a specific area on the map uh, would still cons- or would still invest the 300 credits in it. But what I don't like as much is the, the damage drop-offs. Because I find that, the, at least for me, the shorty already feels really inconsistent. Um, so what I would like them to do is, I understand that you're, that you're trying to nerf the damage, and I understand why that's being put into effect here, but I would like the, the spread to be somewhat lessened to compensate for that. Um, and like maybe lower the damage even more? but tighten the spread because it it just feels really inconsistent to me at at the moment um and i feel like very often i hit somebody for for 140 something with the double pump and i feel like especially at ranges in which i feel like i absolutely should have gotten that kill like i'm basically like i'm not literally barrel stuffing them but i'm pretty fucking close yeah so yeah, that's one of the things we first discussed when you talk, told me about the patch notes, the inconsistency, inconsistency at longer ranges, because you complain about it in many ranked games <laughs> that we play, uh, which is fair. Um, I said a bit of this last podcast, but I think that people are barking up the wrong tree to an extent, including you, Mr. Blate, when you're talking about the price to performance of the shorty. Because I think that the price of guns in Valorant is somewhat misleading because there is a key price point at the $2,900 for Phantom and Vandal that obviously defines people's buys because those are the go-to guns. But I think a lot of the other weapons, this specific price has is not actually indicative of how good the gun is. That if you look at non-pistols, like if the Odin was the same price as the Phantom and Vandal, especially at the pro level, would that change how often it's purchased? I don't think it would. 
And then if you go down to the the pistol level, what I said on last podcast, so I'm not going to say it too much again, is that, you know, the classic is not worth 800 credits of value less than the sheriff. Like, the classic is really good for being a free gun. And, you know, you can, for a lot of situations where you can use a shorty, you know, the right click with the classic, the specific situation you outlined of the, you know, being in a smoke and waiting for someone to come in. Obviously, the shorty is going to be way more consistent than a classic right click to the head would be. But you still can one tap someone to the head when they step into the smoke with the classic. It's just that it's not as reliable. So you, you, you don't want to do it probably. Um, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is I think that people are like, oh my God, it's so cheap for the value. But I think that the, the fact of it being at that price point is just indicative of the limitations of the gun in that, yes, really good in a smoke, really good at, at you know, in limited situations, but those situations are few and far between. And I was watching the loud, I watched the last two maps of loud versus NRG today. It's people, two teams that are very creative and innovative with how they do things. And I was specifically watching for shorty kills, particularly as a secondary. I wish I would have specifically counted there's no more it was there's no way it was more than five across two maps like i i I just think the problem is is overstated is is my take on it i i just i'm not sure if it's necessarily overstated what i would like i think the best way to view the shorty is i kind of view it as a piece of utility um sure like I think if you're talking about it in terms of like the price versus like a piece of utility, so bef- now it's 150 or it was 150. That's the price of a Phoenix wall. Like I would much rather buy a shorty than a Phoenix wall, but now it's the price of a sky dog. Like, and I think it probably warrants maybe not quite a sky dog. Cause sky dog is extremely strong. I could even see sky dog being, yeah, not quite a sky dog is so much better. Yeah, than Yeah. Sky is sky is yeah. sky dog's really good. Yeah. But I mean, there's other like, 300 credit things but now it like adds the question in your brain of if you're going to do it and you're talking about in these pro games or um loud nrg i think that one was a very low shorty kill game specifically but there's times where it's like it feels like it's just getting insane value and you're paying the price of a phoenix wall for that value it just seemed a little bit out of hand in terms of how much you could potentially get from it. Well, I so, mean, I feel like it's a little, I feel like comparing it to Phoenix wall is a little cheesy because Phoenix wall is not a very good piece of utility. So that's like, just sure. the one that I knew was 150 <laughs> credits. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, what's, what's other utility that's 150 credits? Like, um, a cipher, shock dart cipher trip. Well, I mean, if you, the, the way I'm thinking about it is, you know, if you're in a, like if you're in a, uh, smoke, with your shorty in hand, right? What's a piece of utility that could very easily, well, that would be like a, a counter to that. And that would be if someone Phoenix flashed into the smoke. And I believe if Phoenix flash sits at either 200 or 250. If every flash is 250. Really? I didn't realize that they were consistent. Um, that was oh, a patch note change a while back. Right. Which to me, I think that's fine because yes, you're paying more for the flash but the flash has far more value than just clearing that smoke. So the fact that, you know, that one piece of u- utility will wreck your shorty strat, but it can also be used for a whole bunch of other things. I don't see a problem with that price to performance. 
what what I would say though is that you are you're paying for that specific time, and but it's it's not like a it's not like you're replacing your fourth piece of utility for it. Lots of times, it's so cheap. It's like a fifth piece of utility, if that makes sense. It, yeah. Where, like, so like yeah. you can get your full kit, and then like, what's a shorty on top of it? You know, I I really like the comparing it to utility. Um like analogy there because like i i definitely agree it is like an extra piece of utility you can have and like every time that i'm playing um uh tower on b-side fracture like you bet your ass i got a shorty in my pocket yeah um, and you know what you don't have if you don't buy if you don't buy the shorty you have a free classic i honestly think that they they red valorant should not do this because it would ruin the um like intro experience even more than it already is like a new player starting valorant i think that if you're not going to change the like i think that you should get your knife for free and then every gun should have a purchase price because i think it would actually create some very interesting strategic things where you know your sentinel and your smoke player <laughs> how do i get talk your sentinel and your smoke player on attack probably don't buy guns you just buy utility and then you know if the three people in front of you die and don't get any space then you were going to lose the round anyway and then, you know, if they get kills, now you pick up guns as you go. I think it would be really interesting if you didn't get a free gun, because I think that really changes your strategy, particularly for pistol rounds. That'd be very interesting. But they shouldn't do that because it would be a complete mess at the lower levels. Okay, but also, like... Like, I, this is, a, like, a little bit not exactly on topic here, but, like, I I hate people complaining about how good the classic is. Like, do you have any idea how fucking boring this game would be if you didn't get like a decent gun is your is your free weapon like i would it, be much more interesting i think it, it'd be so fucking boring like like you never stand chance on like on any eco on any um on any like round in which you're like not buying a rifle like i like yeah i understand that people complain about like oh i got right clicked from way too far away with a classic um but like this game would be so much more boring if you didn't get a decent free gun. And I, I feel like people just don't understand that aspect. And I think when you get right-clicked by a classic, that's like a mistake on your part lots of times. Uh, if it, if you're going into an eco, or if you're anti-ecoing, you should know that you are in danger of getting right-clicked and you're playing with your utility and you're playing longer sight lines because you know you have the gun advantage. I think when you're when there's no opportunity for that, it can make it more boring, um, and it's just kind of weird. Um, and I think the shorty change is more pro play focused, and while it can make the ranked experience or the experience for new players a little bit less fun, I think valuing I think you should value pros, especially in this instant, because I think this is like the place where people especially abuse it and where like, I feel like in low ranks or something, if you're having a shorty, you can cheese kills lots of times anyways, if you're a new player. And I don't think this will change it that much. It oh, might. Yeah, but... we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think the, you know, the, the price increase is significant and the damage drop off is as well. But yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, mm -hmm. since I, I don't know that we're going to change each other's minds here. So do we want to discuss 
do we think this will kill the shorty or put it in an appropriate position in ranked and pro play, which is sort of what Blake was getting into anyway. Yeah. I mean, right before we get to that, I got one more thing that I want to say here on the price increase. Um, it's so much harder to justify that now in pistol rounds. And I feel like the shorty was actually underutilized in pistol rounds. Um, I feel like it was an incredibly strong gun to have in, in, in pistol round buys. Um, and it's, it doubling in price just is when you only have 800 credits to, to work with here is like, that's not really something you can work around. Um, uh, whereas in any other, in, in consequent rounds, right? Like if you decide that you want to have that shorty and it's now 300 credits, like you just have to adjust the amount of money that you spend on your, on your saves or on your, on your eco rounds if you decide that this is something that you want to have as that quote-unquote fifth piece of utility, as Blake was saying. Um, whereas in pistol rounds, like you only get a hit under credits. So that price increase there is quite significant. And I feel like the shorty definitely got underutilized in pistol rounds, specifically because you can also have a classic. Right. I mean, in pistol rounds, um, the thing is... Er any rounds where I would have a shorty, I would do the the hack or whatever where you pick up your classic right, right. or you re-equip your classic right before mm-hmm. getting your shorty. So you're, you have the shorty for the close angle and then you re-pick up your classic in case people don't come into your angle. And like, I think it does, it might unfairly nerf pistol rounds, but I think it's justified in how it's nerfing the other rounds, which I think was where the shorty was the problem. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I, I'm not, I'm not arguing against that. I just think that, like, like I, I think that the shorty is definitely now significantly more unviable in pistol rounds compared to other rounds. I don't necessarily think that's like, like an awful thing. It's just I, I feel like the shorty was actually underutilized in pistol rounds, even in pro play. Yeah, um, and I agree. And. Yeah, like I, I, like I, I think that price increase is actually makes quite a big difference for for pistol rounds specifically. Yeah, Casmi and Chase had been in ranked, uh, especially using the shorty on eco rounds and pistols to good effect. Especially if multiple multiple of us would play at a choke point with the shorty and then classics to switch to if we have to retake. Yeah, I, I really wish though that they they would do something about your ability to have both the shorty and a classic. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a way. I to do don't, that, I, what? like I and like the more that I think about it, like I really don't think there is because if you're gonna spend the the money to do that, like you can, um, like if you're gonna op, like say it's last round and a half, right? And you're gonna buy an op and you're gonna keep a a vandal on the ground in case you need to rotate off to the other site. Like you should absolutely be able to do that. Um, like there's no reason why you shouldn't, but like I feel like having both. The being able to purchase the shorty and be like, oh yeah, well if they come here to my site, great, I'm getting a lot of value out of this, uh, potentially. Uh, but then if they go to the other site, like the fact that you can just swap back to your classic, I think is a little broken. Um, I, I totally disagree because on pistol rounds in particular, you know, utility matters so much. So, you know, giving up the utility or not being able to buy that much utility next round to have a shorty that now, if they don't come to your site, you've basically just thrown 
because on defense, like if, if the offense has claimed another site, the chance of you being able to swap to a different gun it, without, you know, getting way into sight is fairly minimal. And what's your chance of retaking with a shorty? Like, I, I just think that even if you leave the shorty, even if you don't nerf the shorty at all, you just make it somehow so you can't have shorty and, and classic. I think it's pick rate drops astronomically on pistol rounds. Oh yeah. Pistol rounds and eco. Sure. But like, it doesn't make a difference in a full buy. Well, like, well yes, but I think the class, I think all of the pistols should be somewhat viable in a pistol round. Like I, I think it would be bad if that were the case. Uh, I just feel like you shouldn't like, if you're going to, if like, if you're going to elect to buy a, a, a shotgun, which is specifically really good in close quarter gunfights, like yeah. it should have, it should have the consequence of being very poor at anything outside of really short range. And like, you already see that with like the, um, with the Bucky or more specifically the judge. Like if you buy a judge to play a, a, a certain angle, like, yeah, the, you're like, yeah, it's not like you're also going to buy a, a stinger or a specter to be able to swap into like, that's too much money. Yeah. It's cost prohibitive um, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's effectively incredibly cost prohibitive to do that. I, I think buying a sheriff as a secondary is also cost prohibitive, but you seem to do that anyway. So, um, the I, I just feel like you you should be forced to pay that cost. That cost is not exclusively borne in terms of the amount of credits it takes to purchase that weapon, but that cost is also partially exhibiting itself in terms of the lack of flexibility. And I think that should be. A, a trade-off scenario that you have to that you have to consider if you're going to buy the shorty, um, whereas it's just currently just not the case. Like it's the same thing if you're buying like a Marshall or an Op. Like they're inherently bad at retaking and pushing. Like that's the trade-off that you make. I just don't think the like picking up your classic back up is that really such a problem. Like, I just don't think it's like you're paying the price. Yeah. But I think you're paying the price enough in just spending your money on that. And you're probably buying full utility shields. Like you're, you're paying for the shorty instead of like an extra piece of util. And I don't think it's that big of a deal And pistol rounds. Like if it comes down to the shorty player, uh, pick up his classic. Usually it's already lost. Um, uh, I just don't think, or I think that'd That's be like an extremely well. yeah. edge case scenario where the shorty player is specifically like getting an insane value by re-picking up his classic and that's what winning the round. I, I, I don't think it's that uncommon. Like uh, and the example that I'm currently thinking of is uh, is Haven A. Sewers. Like if I decide to play there with a shorty on either an eco round or a uh, or a pistol round, and they don't go A, like, there's no util going through A lobby, like, maybe somebody's, uh, maybe somebody's got, like, a sheriff or a marshal holding down A long, they calm, hey, nobody's, nobody's crossed, there's no util in here, like, you can get a really quick flank going that way. You just swap back to your classic, because the shorty's fucking dog shit for flanking with. Um, and you can very quickly box a team in to either seaside or into mid. Uh, like, I, you can't, reliably do that if you can't swap back to your pistol. Well, like, yeah, but I, you just I, burned I, 150 credits for the privilege of doing that. Yeah, well, I, I guess. But... Another case, like, 
justifying the nerfing of the shorty. Now you're paying 300 credits for it. Yeah. For the privilege. Yeah, like I definitely mm-hmm. I definitely don't think this is an issue at all if you're spending 300 credits on this. Like I think I think the, the that whole point about the classic thing is somewhat of a debate if it, at the 150 just because of the whole oh it's so cheap. I think at 300 it's com- you should absolutely be able to pick up the classic. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I can see that. But also, I realized I, I realized I was going to start pulling back from this because you know Cass here is also just being you know driven on to make this point by his extreme hatred of shotguns. So of course he's going to say there should be massive trade offs for using a shotgun. Well, hold because on, Cass hold on. would prefer I, shotguns to be removed from the game. I use the shorty quite a bit. I use the shorty probably more than you do. Yes, but you, your hatred of shotguns is bleeding into this conversation when it comes to the, the trade offs. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> that doesn't change uh-huh. the facts here. But yes, you, you do probably, use the shorty more than me. We should probably move on to like yeah. Yeah. what we think it will affect ranked and pro. Uh, so I think it will have a nice effect on pro. Like I don't think the shorty will I think the shorty will still be used, but people are gonna actually have to think about it. it I think it's kind of the same thing as what we said earlier with Viper, where it's it's more punishing. You're you could have a shorty or you could have a sky dog or you could have two more Astra stars or anything like that. You're now paying for that and it might affect your econ more, but you have that advantage if you're playing in smokes and for ranked, like I think the shorty was completely underutilized. So I don't know how much of a huge deal it will actually matter in ranked because people were, people are bad in ranked. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it will kill the gun in uh, pro and regs. <laughs> I think that the shorty will go the way of the Ares in terms of, yeah, you'll see it occasionally. I don't well, think it'll kill the gun, but I don't think you'll see, like, I mean, we often saw teams that, like, they all had shorty secondaries, or quite a few of them did. I think now you'll see maybe one player have that shorty secondary, maybe two if one of them is offing and therefore wants the shorty for it. Um, but like, yeah, I can see, I can see, um, you're someone who's playing, you know, B tower on, on fracture, really wanting that shorty. I can see someone who's playing boathouse, really wanting that shorty. Um, and at 300 credits, you are still probably going to justify it. Um, and you might just have to adjust the way in which you're spending money on your, on your saves, um, to account for that. But, like, I don't think it's going to be as ubiquitous in terms of everybody's always got a fucking shorty every single round. I, I think that's the main change. Well, Cass, you mentioning holding those common shotgun uh, angles makes me think of one thing I initially thought of when thinking about this change, which is that uh, this is definitely, I don't know how much of an impact it will have, probably not huge, but this is definitely a bit of a, uh, a Bucky buff <laughs> indirectly because you can still do those things more viable now the bucky looks much better than the shorty for you know holding those close angles now that the shorty will you know fail to two tap a full armored opponent more often especially once you hit that seven meter range um where you know if you don't get that till kill in two shots with the shorty you're going to take significantly more time to reload the shorty and get off a third shot with the shorty than you would with just killing someone with a bucky with two shots so I think that if what I'm predicting is correct and the shorty completely falls out of favor, I think you will see a certain amount more Bucky buys 
of people on certain saves doing the same thing they used to do with a shorty, but with a buggy. I think the buggy has two two problems. Number one is it's 900 credits. It's still three times as expensive as a shorty. And number two, right. you often don't get two shots from a buggy. Like, unless I'm playing a really ratty angle uh, and they walk straight past me, it's unlikely I'm getting that second shot off. Well, I mean, the key thing with the Bucky, right, is that you take a shot and then you move and you take another shot. So, yeah, like, sure. the idea like, is they don't quite... get killed yeah. first shot with the Bucky. Right, right. If you're in that, so... Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I can see it being dead and it might be dead. It might deserve to be dead in pro for a while, but I think there will still be the times where people justify buying it and it will make it a, oh, shit, he got the shorty and he makes the play. Oh, and it's crazy, oh my god, versus, like, there were so many rounds where it's like, oh, it's the the shorty close round, or close on site, and it decides the round for, like, so many other times. I think that's that was the problem they were trying to fix, and I think this will fix it, where it's not going to be as ubiquitous, and if people do choose it, it is, it's more of a conscious choice versus, like, an automatic which I think mm-hmm. is a good change. Yeah. So, okay, m- moving on here, because the, the next gun they touched on, I'm not really sure why they did. I'm, um, I'm with you there. But they're they're nerfing the Frenzy. Uh, so its minimum spread has been increased from 0. 0.45, 0. 0.65. It's going to reach max spread in five bullets instead of six. And then it says the max recoil will be, uh, or total recoil will be lowered to account for that, which I'm assuming what they mean is because it's reaching max spread in five bullets, they just took whatever that spread was going to be at five and just eliminated that extra step up for bullet six and onward. Um, But I don't really understand why this change needed to be made. I'm with you there. Uh, Blake, do you have any thoughts on that? I think uh, I think the Frenzy was completely overcrowding the Ghost in terms of uh, pistol rounds. Like I feel like I was 10 times more successful with how versatile the Frenzy was compared to a Ghost. Like While there is that head tap stuff, usually if you get a headshot with a Frenzy, you're still going to kill. And there might not be as long of a range thing with the Frenzy, but how often are you playing extremely long-range angles with... Or you can choose not to play long-range angles if you have a Frenzy. And you're probably not going to play super long-range unless you have a Sheriff and Pistol Round in general. So I think I think kind of makes sense. It, I don't think it's an extremely big nerf to it, but I think it's just trying to put it in line where it's like, you definitely want to play this closer instead of having to... the Frenzy feeling like everyone buys it if they're buying not a sheriff in pistol rounds. I feel like they went the wrong way with it, though. I feel like they probably should have teeny buff what it was previously, and then just increase the price to, like, 650 And so, like, you're really giving up on utility to take that frenzy in pistol rounds. But, I was... Sorry. Uh, like... Like, I... Like, I don't know. I, I think if they were going to change it, they should have gone in the other direction um, and made the ghost 
a a gun that you can buy and also have you know a little bit of utility with in in a pistol round. Um, and I also feel like the problem that I had with the frenzy is that it is fucking dog shit in against fully armored opponents, and it's not great against the light armored opponents. Um, even in pistol rounds, when you someone can elect to buy that light armor, uh, I I feel like yeah they should have gone the other way with it and made it more expensive and slightly better than what it currently is. I mean, I especially in the context of the shorty change, I strongly disagree when it comes to making it more expensive because I mean, man, inflation's bad enough in the economy as it is, inflating the prices of the pistol. I don't know about that. Um, but specifically, one thing that I thought you were going to go with this, I, I the, the general picture of going the opposite direction, I went in a different direction with, which is that um like Blake was saying, you know, the reason why you have a ghost is for the head taps and the, the frenzy is more versatile. But the thing is that I think a lot of ranked players, when they first start using the frenzy, they assume it's like an SMG where you just spray and pray. And sometimes you do you, that absolutely happens a good bit. But like one of the things that I learned from you, Cass, one of the biggest things that, you know, my eyes were opened when seeing it upon watching your play was how, you know, you can, the short the frenzy is almost better used as like a mini vandal where you know you're getting off a couple bursts at the head rather than just fully holding down the trigger and you know shooting for the mm -hmm. body especially if you're not at very close range um and so my thought upon hearing you say that about going the opposite direction is you know i would have been more in favor if they reduced the headshot damage uh and well okay I may, I'll walk that back. But the big thing is making it more of an automatic weapon and less of a pre precision head tap weapon. So whether that looks like much increased first bullet inaccuracy, less headshot damage, maybe to compensate a little bit tighter spread. Basically, the idea is if you want to spray at medium range, you should have a harder time hitting headshots, which is what you buy the ghost for. That, that was kind of my thinking as you said that. I hadn't thought about that before. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you... Yeah, I, I guess that goes down to like a, you know... If you watch or play any CS, like the the equivalent gun in that game is the uh, the CZ or the CZ, um, and that gun is often referred to as a pocket AK. Um, hmm. And like what what I think what you're going with that you kind of want to change it into is more like the Tech Nine, but this means a lot to me. Out. But I think it will probably mean stuff to people listening. So it's, it's good comparison. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you just said, uh, like, decrease or increasing the first bullet in accuracy, which is exactly what they did. Like, I don't think these are really big changes to the frenzy. I think they're literally just trying to make it to where, in these longer range fights, it can't compete as well with the ghost. Like, it. So the minimum spread, I think, is like on that first bullet accuracy. I was thinking about that. I. I'm not sure. I, I was. Th I, I'm leaning towards it being second bullet inaccuracy. That is that is that essentially because spread to me indicates. I have to look, but I was I was thinking that was you know, firing at least one bullet past the initial. So I was thinking this is changing second and beyond. Um, because yeah, still yes, that also is, yeah. If that is first bullet inaccuracy, then yeah, that's what I'm saying is kind of dumb. But even still, like, that still, like, decreases the chance of a Frenzy 2-tap from range, which is, like, yeah. ridiculous shit when that happened to you. So, like, I think 
they're just trying to make it to where like frenzy is more close range justified and ghost is more long range. And then sheriff is obviously like the one where you're sacrificing it all for head taps against armor and insane body damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I, it's not much of a change, but I think it's just to try to make it more aligned with what it should be. So, you know, I, like I, it doesn't seem big. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like I, I haven't tested it out. I'd, I'd be curious to see how I feel about the, the frenzy after these changes. Um, yeah, I like guess I, my, like I guess my, I don't think it's yeah. a huge change. I'll but... say one last thing on this, which is that I, I think that why I'm not loving this, this spread being worse is that I just don't feel like the strength of the frenzy was the full autoing, even though that that was a component of its versatility. That like. You know, at at close range, shorty and classic right click obviously outperform the frenzy. And then at longer ranges, it, the spread was already pretty crazy. To where, you know, if you're if you were getting past the third bullet anyway, your bullets were going all over the place. You're not hitting head taps if you're full autoing a frenzy for a significant amount of time. So that's what that's where I feel like it's it's barking up the wrong tree a little bit there. Oh, yeah, I feel like you're putting too much emphasis on the classic right click in that scenario. I don't feel like it's consistent enough for you to be saying that it just outright loses to classic right click. Well, I'm saying at, um, cl- at close range. Yeah, but at close range, like you could still fucking whiff a right click due to well, you only no have fault to, of your own. You only have to hit two of the three pellets on a pistol round, which is kind of what we're focused on with the classic right click. So, yes, you could still whiff, but that would be a bad whiff. But what are you talking about? If you don't get a headshot. Yeah, sorry, two, sorry, I meant two bullets to the head. I meant two bullets oh, okay, in the head in the classic okay. like. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of rare. That's kind of hard. I mean, like, it's not impossible, but, like, it's not consistent. Uh, so what I would say is that, like, the Frenzy was just, like, I think it was overpowered at, like, not classic right-click range or shorty range, but, like, just beyond that, where, like, I would say, like, if you're talking... Um, like you're getting, you're rushing on a fracture a site. Like I'm thinking, like if you're by that little radionite box that kind of creates the cubby, uh, by drop or that's covered by drop. If you know what I'm talking about, yeah. Like the left side, like if someone's holding there and they're coming out, like I'm not going to try to classic right click, and a frenzy dominates in that area. Like it dominates super hard, and that's where it will still dominate. But if it's like a little bit further out, like to CT or to to heaven or something i think that's where it's going to start failing more which i think is it should start failing and that's yeah. where the ghost should start taking over right i i agree with that generally but like one thing you brought up earlier i i still kind of disagree with which is like i think the ghost is overall just more versatile it's got a fast enough fire rate that you can spam it up close um and spam people down with it and it has the ability to take those longer range gunfights but the frenzy just does not and like i can understand the concept of like in pistol rounds you're much more likely to be in friends optimal frenzy range um just because you know people are more likely to flood onto site um you're trying to close the gap uh in general but like i i still feel like the ghost is just the overall more versatile weapon and i happen to not be great with it but like there are quite a few people who are really good with the ghost and you can, like, it's, I don't know, I feel like the ghost is more versatile. 
I think the ghost might be more versatile, but it doesn't have fuck up insurance in the same way that the frenzy has. Like lots of times, if you're in that fight, like if you're if you don't get the headshot close, the frenzy can just be like running and just. Ba-da-da-da-da. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, fair enough. Which is like that's where I'm thinking. Like that's like the insane power point, and it's just trying to tone down where it doesn't have that insane power point a little bit. So. That's that's my thoughts mm-hmm. on it. I don't think it's a huge nerf, uh, but it's just trying to tone it down to where, like, if it is competing with the Ghost, it's not anymore in terms of the all-rounder upgraded classic. Yeah. It, full disclosure, because we're required to by law, Blate was paid $5,000 to name drop PowerPoint by Microsoft. Anyway. Oh, man. Um, the... The other thing that I kind of also have a bit of a problem with, uh, not, like, not a massive problem, but, like, against armored opponents, the only fucking viable pistols are are a sheriff and a shorty. Like, the frenzy and the ghost just don't do dick against armored opponents, and I find that to be a little frustrating. Um, I find that, like, when I'm saving, or, like, on a save round, if I don't have the money to buy a sheriff, like, there's no point in purchasing a ghost or a frenzy. Uh, they cost... I'm sacrificing too much in terms of... Even if I was still able to get a full buy the next round, like, that that 450 credits or that 500 credits is damaging... Like, it's more damaging over the long-term econ that you could be gaining there. Um, and might, a couple rounds down the line, put you just under that full buy threshold. And I feel like they're not good enough against armored opponents to justify purchasing uh, when even if you do have that little bit of extra cash to spend. I feel like it's just not... Yeah, against armored opponents, I feel like there's just no point. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I buy it against armored opponents because I hate the classic. <laughs> so I overperform with the Frenzy versus the classic. But yes, I get what you're saying. Uh, for the Ghost, I agree because like you don't get the one-taps type thing. Uh, I think the sh- the frenzy does have some like where you can play like those closer angles, like those SMG angles, and you can get away with some shit that you're not necessarily going to get away with uh, with the other pistols. Like there's an opportunity to get that one where I don't think that's necessarily the case with um, with a classic. But I feel like you'd. Eh, I mean, maybe, but like, I I I just feel like it's not worth justifying the cost in non-pistol rounds. Look, like, I, I see what you're saying. Like, there, there is some potential for the Frenzy to get one um, and maybe even get out of there. Uh, or if, if someone's lurking and you catch them off guard, you can get that, that weapon upgrade um, and you might not be able to get that kill with the Classic. Like, I understand what you're saying. It's just I feel like the cost is prohibitive and in I, those I scenarios. Think... I think that's just like a worthy opportunity cost you take um, for like that slight extra chance. Cause I mean, if you're full saving to classics anyways, like how much of a chance do you think you have anyways? So it's, you're making the choice and it's not a good one, but you're also down a shit ton of money and you're, yeah. you're not expected to win anyways. So uh, sometimes you might think that price is worth it. Sometimes you might not think it's worth it. So uh but I think we've I think we've gone on along or gone on enough yeah. about the frenzy. 
uh, and everything. So I think I agree. Next, we should go for the error power, which uh, yeah, I'll just read that out real quick. So, um, so error power, which Riot also calls center biasing, rewards accuracy by biasing shots towards the center of the crosshair. So I guess like your RNG isn't true RNG; it's more towards the center of the crosshair than it wouldn't be, if that makes sense. They kind of like have probably like clusters or something mm-hmm. to try to help. So they've significantly reduced that when you're not stationary or walking, and I'm assuming crouching as well. So like when you're running, that tendency to move towards the center of the crosshair isn't as high. So it's essentially a nerf to running and gunning. So I don't know how big of an effect this is going to be and I don't even know how much it's worth actually discussing because it's going to be hard to tell and it might not it might just be a negligible difference in games uh, we'll just have to see in terms of playing on the new patch mm-hmm. yeah I'll just add to that super fast that I was very curious to see how much of an impact this would have so I this would have so I loaded up into 6.10 in the range shot bots shot the um target uh, and then did the same thing on PVE, I couldn't notice any significant difference. And that's the key thing. They said significantly reduce center biasing, and I noticed nothing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'll... curious. It's possible that, like, the chamber changes, they just didn't ship them correctly in the PVE. But, yeah, I, let's see how it goes. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's something that I should that I should go check out because uh, there, there's two ways that I see this. Uh, and the first is... I really, I understand why they're not doing it, but I really wish they'd fucking show the goddamn calculations for how they for how they do this. Uh, because I think if you're now less likely for the shots to be towards the center of your crosshair, well, you just don't put your fucking crosshair on the enemy's head when you're running and gunning. Like, if you're just less likely for bullets to go towards the center of your crosshair, just don't put the fucking crosshair where you want your goddamn bullets to go. Um, and so I think, like, because people have brought that up on Reddit before. They're just like, oh, like, when you're moving, you should just never be allowed to have a shot go where your crosshair is. And I think that's a fucking stupid idea. Because that's actually a run-and-gun buff once you get used to it. Because you now know a certain area that your bullet can't go. Um, and so I, I, I think in general, it's like, if you take it to that extreme, I think it's really stupid. So I'd like to know what calculations they're they're using here. But the way that I see this affecting me the most is I often just take fadeaway shots as, like, I'm moving to behind cover, right? Like, if I'm holding a, a fairly tight angle um, and somebody swings out, like, I'll, I'll take my accurate shot while I'm standing as, as I'm getting the fuck out of dodge. Like, I'll just hold down mouse one as I'm strafing back into cover. And especially with the Phantom... There were a number of times that I just get that kill. Um, like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm moving, but the bullet goes pretty close to the fucking center of my crosshair. Uh, and so if that is what they're trying to get rid of, then then I understand the change there. Um, but, I, again, that's something that I'd have to go in and actually test well, out. Yeah. So based on, like, what it's saying, it's center biasing, so, like, it tended to go that way, or... They had it to where it tended to go towards the center regardless. 
So now it might be closer to true random, so where there's a chance that it might go to the center of the crosshair, but it's equally as likely that it doesn't. So mm-hmm. it's just now it's true random versus pseudo random. So it it probably would still be a good idea to aim for the body after that because like you'll probably get the most shots on the person by aiming center mass. It's kind of like mm-hmm. what you're supposed to do in general, like in normal shooting because you want to have the highest chance of hitting people um but it's just trying to be more hey we're not going to make it to where it's like as likely that it will be towards the center now Mm -hmm. which like if that's the case i think this is a great change um and i agree i think running gunning was a very strong thing to do and it, it should still be powerful like especially with like smgs and stuff but having that center biasing removed especially pigeonholes it to where it's like you shouldn't be doing this all the time on your swings Mm -hmm. which happened a lot i i still like yeah i'll say real quick that i thought i think that the run and gun date currently on the live patch is very good and i do not want it to be nerfed i also don't think it needs to be nerfed however if the change is as subtle as if it's correctly launched in the PBE. I think it's just a completely insignificant change. And this particular change, I have no issue with just because it seems really irrelevant. Yeah. I know one of the, one of the things that I find kind of annoying is in, in deathmatch, I'm always on the losing side. If I'm the one who's up close running and gunning with a phantom or a vandal, the other person just seems to kill me before my bullets hit them enough uh, when they're standing still. And then when I stand still and they're running and gunning, I just get fucking wrecked. Like, I, it, like, yeah, it could just be confirmation bias, but, like, I feel like I'm always on the fucking losing end of that. Have you considered that perhaps that's because your strengths lie with precision weapons, which you use far more often than as such you just aren't very good at running gun? <laughs> well, the, that probably is 100% confirmation bias, because, like, you... Knowing the times when you get that bullshit kill, you're like, oh, that's bullshit, versus when the time the bullshit happens to you, like, you're kind of raging inside. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I, I don't think it's right. a huge, I don't think it's a huge change, and uh, I think it just might make it to where it's like, it might, like, tone it down by maybe 5%, and I, I don't think the running and gunning situation in live is that bad. It just might make it feel... A little bit less. It's mm-hmm. it's like an edge case thing. So I think it's a good change. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a huge one, but I like it. All right. On um, to Pearl. Yeah, let's move on to Pearl here. I would say because so, we're running a little short on time, maybe we just summarize these. Well, I was going to come up with an alternative scenario here. And I was going to say that we properly cover Pearl. Okay. And then we actually do the bonus app on on the Pro scene. When does real quick? When does, uh, when does Masters start? Um, not sure, but like I, when, I feel when like we have time to do we... it before Masters starts. Like, does Masters start uh, on Wednesday or something? So. No, no, no. We're we're gonna have the time. To do okay, that. yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, because yeah, I I knew these PBE notes would take a while because it's a lot yeah. of it's a lot yeah. of content to go through. Um, so I feel like that's the route we go in. Also, just because sure. I gotta get up for work tomorrow, yep. somewhat earlyish. Um. Okay, so it I feel like we we June do eleven, so we'd have to do it like within the next. Week. Oh, June eleventh. Yeah, easy. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Okay, cool. So, uh, basically, the only pearl changes that are coming into effect are exclusively exclusively have to do with B-Site, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world, but I also wish that they would have altered some other stuff around the map as well. Um, but, but here we are. Uh, so, basically, they changed the ramp on B-Main. That's the first thing that, they, that they've listed here. Um... So apparently the, the width of the ramp is significantly reduced. Uh, instead of a ramp, it's a small step that you can jump on and presumably get that more of that headshot angle. However, where you can be on that ramp is significantly lessened so people can more readily pre-aim yes. that area. Uh, and they also... They said that they fully removed that cubby on the far side away from the spawn barrier, but... It looks like there's still technically a little bit of a ledge, so I don't... Maybe that's just so, like, for example, a chamber could have his TP hidden there, and you wouldn't necessarily be able to break it, uh, just because it's totally visible, but I don't... Like, I, I can't tell if someone would be able to hide behind that or not. I feel like uh, I, saw, uh, I saw Valor Leaks. He did, like, a walkthrough of the changes, and it was, like, kind of interesting because there was like, these little, like, weird black things that were, like, pseudo-clear, so you could see, like, what was different. Mm -hmm. um, when he was doing that run-through, like, you could not hide behind that at all. I think okay. it was just to have, like, a little bit of a, I don't know, a small change or whatever, something maybe. I don't I don't even think it was necessary to have that little small ledge. Yeah, like, um, I, I don't understand why they didn't just make it fully flat. Um, maybe for spamming? I don't know. Aesthetic, yeah. Aesthetically, maybe it just looks more interesting visually to not mm -hmm. have one long flat wall. Yeah, but uh, so the the question that I'm really curious about is with how they significantly reduce the width of that ramp, are you going to be able to smoke off that cross with an Astro Recall, uh, a Cypher Cage, or a Jet Smoke? Um, is it too wide to be able to do that? Like, I think, I think that's it, the real question. I think it might be too wide for uh, a Cypher Cage, but for Astro Smokes, I'm not 100% sure. It might be really close, because uh, I think they're wider in terms of that compared to Cypher Cages. Mm -hmm. And then Jet Smokes, I think, are a little bit too small. But I think that that is a big deal. And they might be able to catch, like, a glimpse of the person, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Uh but that is definitely not the biggest part that I think of it. I think changing it from a ramp to a step is a huge change for that. Yeah. Um, piece. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, one definitely. thing that you didn't mention, Cass, that I'm I'm sure mm. will be very relevant for you specifically, is you mentioned the pre-aiming, which I think is very true. But one of the things you've been most often complaining to me about is jumping after landing inaccuracy, particularly with an op. And the thing is, before, you could just walk up the ramp, and of course, you're immediately accurate when you stop moving. Now, if you're jumping up to that step, e e first of all, your head pops up more, but then even after you land, now you can't immediately shoot accurately. That's a really good point that I didn't think of. Thanks. I'm sure you would have thought about it at some point, but... No, no, yeah. I would have... I would have realized it after I tried to do it and raged. <laughs> there you go. I'm uh, saving you some rage, hopefully. Yeah, is when I yeah. would have realized that, oh, fuck, that's a big thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think, like, 
that that's a part two, but I'm just thinking in terms of like the attackers, they were able to just go up and down zigzagging on that ramp and have these random right. ass angles where you're like, okay, well this fight is literally never in my favor versus, oh, now the area where they can jump up is smaller and it's a jump up versus a ramp. So it's, mm-hmm. it's so much like the defenders are able to actually kind of hold that a little bit compared to yeah. even trying to fight that. You're just asking to lose unless it's like a, an extremely like a three V one type deal. Mm-hmm. Like that was, it was so impossible beforehand and it was just such an advantage spot, especially on post plans where you're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just being a little bit cheeky on these yeah. spots, but now it's just, yeah. it's way harder now, mm-hmm. which I think is great because it was just, ridiculous beforehand yeah I, th- I think if you can't smoke that cross anymore though i think that's a bad change um and like it, it might just be because like before i didn't like i don't have a cypher lineup to get the cage there i can just kind of freehand it and it works pretty much every time uh like if it's now at the point where i need a specific lineup to be like okay this is exactly where i need this cage to land so that it fully covers the cross, I feel like that's totally fine. But if they make it such that you can't smoke that cross off with uh, Cypher, Jet, or potentially um, even Astra, depending on how wide of a change that is, like, that's that's fucking brutal. Yeah, and uh, eyeballing it, I feel like Viper Orb could still cover the whole thing. But if Viper Orb couldn't, that would be even bigger than the other three things you already said. Mm-hmm. I, th- I kind I th- of forgot about Viper. I think Viper Orb can definitely cover that. Um, but I think it, it's brutal for the attackers, but I think you kind of need something for that. It felt so free to just get onto that area for the attackers, and it was just so hard to even like take fights beforehand that it felt like it was not even worth it, but now there might be even an opportunity. And if you have, like, a crack, a cracked opper, maybe they can take advantage of, like, the pixel of seeing them. Mm-hmm. So, like, it... If it doesn't cover completely, like... I think that's just, like, a new thing that we'll have to, like, change our idea of Pearl. I think that's, like, a hard part about it. We don't... It's hard to have our ideas of how to play Pearl when this new shit's being introduced. Mm-hmm. Our biases are already like with that as an expectation. Right. But the the main thing that I'm thinking of here is like they already made that position so much weaker with the rest of the changes. Yeah. Um like is it necessary to to weaken your ability to get to that position in the first place? And then there are a couple other changes, which we haven't gotten to yet, but I think that that work... Like, I mean, basically, literally every change that's being made is in the defender's favor here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, the next one that I think pairs well with this ability on whether or not you can smoke that cross effectively or not is uh, the screen... Will Hunter cover it? We've been okay. taking his job way too no, much. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good. So, the next thing is uh, flipping the script to the other end of uh, Long on Pearl. So the width of uh, the screen has been increased, height has been lowered, and that now there are boxes that you can use to jump up 
and peek over top of the screen without any sort of upwards mobility utility, um, which now obviously creates a lot more flexibility for the defenders and how they play that. And also not just flexibility, but like, you know, if you're holding with an op, you'd much rather be on the box than fully on top of the screen just because you're less exposed. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's well, cool. There, there's a couple counterpoints to whether or not you'd rather be on that box or not, but also, uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't read that this when I said it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know if this was in the patch notes or not, but Blake wrote in that you're unable to spam the right side of screens because of those boxes. And I think that's fucking huge. That's true. Uh, I kind of so I got over that, that yeah. watching uh, Lothar's video about the changes. He's like mm-hmm. an EMEA uh, analyst, and he's on the desk often. Uh, yeah. But he put, like, uh, apparently a different EMEA analyst, Tom Biz, uh, was saying these weren't significant changes, and he completely disagreed because there's a lot of slight things that can just create huge changes, and I think having that safe spot is actually pretty huge. Like, yeah, you you have to hard clear that now um, as you're walking onto site. And, like, I got a lot of fucking kills by just ratting behind those screens. And people, as they were pushing up, just would not clear it. Um, so I think you're way more likely to get cleared now in that angle. But you also can't get spammed down through the box. So, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um uh, so there's there's a couple more things too that's kind of interesting. So with that increased length or width of the screen, um, or length that doesn't length is probably the better word for it because that's like the primary thing. Smokes might be or dome smokers might be more um, able to kind of cover that site. Like I don't know if that uh, the distance between the wall on site and the screen is enough for like one dome smoke. But it might be, or it might be like way closer to where you're not as freaked out it about too, it. It looks two. too big. Yeah, you still might need two, but it's definitely way closer than before. It might be the same as like the ramp situation we were talking about previously, where there might be like a sliver mm-hmm. uh, showing. And then another thing that you can think of is when you're retaking the site, clearing. Uh, the attackers on the other side of the screen was kind of a pain in the ass. You'd have to like just take the fight, but now you can maybe jump on top and then sh- just hatch out them from above and do that. So that's like yeah. kind of an interesting thought too. Well, it's also now uh, like a variety of agents can now, or like actually quite literally any agent can now get on top of that, that box instead of it previously just being uh, Ray's Omen chat chamber. I'm missing anyone. Don't think so. Yep. Um, uh, I guess Sage could always do it with she's gonna waste her wall on it, but like, um, yeah, no, you're uh, like just the fact that anybody can now play up there, I think is, I think is pretty big. Um, yeah, and Cass, you mentioned Sage. You're uh, you're forgetting to mention the Grim Wall potential as a result of Sage climbing up on screens and then walling herself up even more. Yeah. True. I don't think that's going to be a major factor, but I think Grimwalls are very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so this next one is a change that I'm actually not super down for. But, Hunter, you want to read that one out? Sure. So as you go back into halls, now um, there is basically a little cubby that's been created that they made sure to emphasize is not a true 50-50 because you clear the cubby before you get back all the way into halls 
but now there's crossfire and or rat potential for the defenders there. Um, also, probably bangable by heavy pen guns is the note only, but we'll see. Um, yeah, and I'm not surprised Cast doesn't like it. I was looking at it thinking, man, I just really like the chaos and the flexibility provided by almost 50-50s. I, I think they're cool. Yeah, I just feel like it's... You're right. It's not a 50-50. But... Right. It's almost close enough. Like, it's not a true 50-50, but the the angle difference isn't so great that, like, unless you're going to contact up onto that, like, somebody's... Like, if you're running in to go clear that, like, somebody's going to know what timing to swing you at from regardless of which side they're playing, and you sort of have to guess which one you're going to go for. Um, whereas if you're... Um, like, previously... Like, that just wasn't a thing. Whereas, uh, even though you're right, it's not a true 50-50, I think it behaves almost close enough to being a 50-50. I think it might. Like, so, me, or that was my comment saying that it wasn't a 50-50 angle on the spreadsheet that we're going off of. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, like, it's not necessarily, if it, or it's not a true 50-50, it's kind of close. Uh, but having that distinction is important. Uh, that there is still a chance, like if you're just hard hugging the left side of the cubby or left side of the entrance, you can still clear that and then start clearing. But I think the most important part of and why they did it was like people or the attacker could literally just hold the left side of B halls and just be like, okay, well, if they're pushing out of this, like I know literally where they're going to come from always, there was no even, there was no chance to yeah. even like, no i see what, i see what you're saying yeah i think that that was particularly easy for the attackers to do given the current meta on pearl be long which is shit ton of wall utility go so you don't have to worry about getting peaked from sight all that much while you're pushing up two walls so you can put 100 you used to be able to put 100 percent of your attention on literally just swinging that corner and now you have to consider using utility or you know using two people it's just more of a concern um which i think is good especially since especially since none of these changes affect the fact that you'll still be able to use walls very effectively to block off those lines of sight yeah i think like all these are like little adding some extra places for the defenders to potentially play like before you could play behind screens but that was like pretty much a death sentence but now you also have the option of halls and the ramp's not insane because it's not a ramp anymore. It's like all these are just making it to where it's a little bit easier to potentially maybe even hold that site where it was basically impossible to do before unless you were just insane at shooting people in the head. Yeah. Yeah. The the changes that I'm curious about is um, like with that screen being widened, like I, I, I didn't cover this when we were talking about that, but like it used to be you were like it used to be the chamber couldn't play behind there and TP out. His TP distance wasn't far enough. Um, Omen, I think, might have been able to get out with his TP, and he might have been the only one. Jet Dash doesn't fully cover, didn't fully cover that distance. Uh, Reina dismiss. I don't think you had enough time to get all the way across. Um, so I think that like I, I I'd be curious to know uh, whether 
or who is now able to safely cross that distance um, coming back. Because as Blake was saying, like, yeah, it, it does give you more, like, it, it does work to give the defenders more angles to play from. But I wonder if you're still just stuck out on an island if you play behind screens there. Um, and it's way more defensible now with the fact that you can't just be fully wall banged. But, uh, and there are different elevations you could be playing on. Um, but I, I'm still curious to know whether somebody can reliably get out or if you're fucked. Well, there's one character who will definitely be able to reliably get out, and that's Yoru. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think even, like, when I was talking about the dome smoking thing, like, now I think if you put a dome smoke there, you'll at least have a chance of getting out before you didn't even have a chance. Like, you could call for your Astra or your Omen to just place a smoke there, and you can just go and just run away. But mm-hmm. before you... You didn't have the chance unless they decided to commit two of them, which is just an insane amount of commitment. Yeah. yeah. Before now, that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. We should probably cover the last one. Uh, yeah. So the final thing is that the pillar on B site has eaten a lot of McDonald's and it is now much fatter. Um, which I, I think is a good change because I had tried to play behind pillar and given you know, the reality of the situation when the attackers are swarming on, it's just, it was very difficult because you had to play extremely close to the pillar to not be spotted from one side or the other. And obviously, you know, if you're swinging from really close to something, that's putting you at a disadvantage when it comes to sight lines in this game. So I I think this is a good change. Yep, simple, good. Um, complaints. Yeah, I like I, I don't have any complaints about it. I'm just like I'm curious how much of a difference that that one's gonna make. Um, and again, as we were kind of as we've covered, like just based off the way that I play, like I was almost or I, I cipher I was pretty much exclusively uh, like B halls all the time um, because that's the best place to get value off of the kill trips that he places. Um, and you just smoke off the entrance yourself with a cage. Um, but, like, it's... And then, with that pillar, like, I'm never... Like, I've never really played behind that pillar at all. Uh, and I very rarely played behind the screens when I wasn't playing either with an op or trying to be ratty and not not take fights until people push past it. So, like, I, I, I do wonder, like, and... That might just be, as Blade was saying, like, there are just more options now for the defenders. Um, but I wonder if any of them are going to be significant enough to warrant changing the way in which I've been playing them. Yeah. I think with this wider yeah. pillar, I think one thing that I just, I literally just thought of, um, the defenders can have kind of, like, defensive hold-down utility in between, like, the pillar and the wall or the pillar to be link uh, to just kind of have a way to get out from that position now too. So like, you could throw your cipher cage to the left of uh, pillar from where we're seeing it on this picture, uh, the one on Valor Links, and I'll also uh, post the spreadsheet in the Discord too. Um, now you might be able to place your cipher cage and be able to either go back into CT or go into the hall based on that being wider, but before maybe it wouldn't cover everything. Mm, yeah. I, again, just looking at the photos, I think 
I think it's still too wide. I I, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't, actually, no, you know what? I think you might be right. I think I might be able to place a cage on either side and have it cover at least well enough to the point where I don't feel like, as you said, there might be a bit of a sliver, but like if they hit that shot, good for them. Yeah. Yeah, also you could potentially have a chamber TP up to heaven, drop down, play pillar, and then, you know, have your TP back to heaven if things get hairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, it's a pretty insignificant change compared to the rest of them, I think. But I still think it was a good change because I think also that little walkway out was really hard to play on, too, if you ever wanted to play on that. Yeah. Now it's a little bit wider, a little bit more forgiving. Uh, you can play more around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think overall that's a good change. And overall, like, I really do like these changes to Pearl. They they just kind of add that little bit of extra umph to the defense where before it was just so hard and it was just... If you did hold that side of defense, it was 100% on guns. There was no utility to try to support you. You were just, uh, you were just in there. Yeah. Yeah, and the I don't know, just like, and that's part of the reason why I don't like, like again, I like all these changes, but like, I wish they did more. Like, I I wish they did something to incentivize, uh, the attackers maybe going elsewhere on the map. Like a little, a little push and pull kind of scenario. It's like, okay, well, we're making it harder for you to attack B, so like maybe we'll give you a little bit more of an advantage in mid, um, or or something along those those lines. Because I feel like, I feel like B site, while it was the heaviest aggressor, in terms of this map being not optimal. I feel like there's more that could have been done to change up other aspects. I think there is more that could have been done, but I don't know if like Riot would have been comfortable doing that with it being still in the active duty pool. Like these changes all just help. It's not like a fundamental change of how the map is played. Mm-hmm. And one thing I would say, like, my biggest example of like how these things can change, um, like how a map is played, like the changes on split, they actually made a pretty big difference on like the defense versus attacker side win rate in pro at least from what I was seeing. Like teams were able to make use of like smaller or like these smaller things, and they can these little extra things that they could exploit were just making it so defensive sided or so attacker sided on B side in Pearl's case that maybe these little changes are enough to make teams more incentivized to focus on other sides of the map. I don't even necessarily think Pearl was excruciating for attackers on the other sides of the map. It was just B was so easy where so much free real estate for them to take where the defenders could do anything that it was just a pigeonhole your strategy into doing that because it was so viable yeah. so viable and so nice well I, I still think this change will make the map overall significantly more defender sided just because you know the deal with a from the get-go has always been it's just a very easy site to take both on initial attacker takes and on retakes and so while yes you know you can get the plant down there relatively easily holding the site is uh you know, just very rough. And I think that it has one of the worst like default 
plant holds of any site just because it's so one-dimensional if you just you know plant safely yeah you can get the plant down pretty easily in that little corner but then it's so incredibly obvious how you're holding for it and so very easy to disrupt since the distance between like where the spike is and where you're holding is so little yeah the i don't know i guess the other thing is like as like what was pointing out um split like i do think that the the little small change that they made to um to uh right past the spawn barrier on a side split i think you're right that that makes a massive difference it's much much harder to hold that initial entry now um as a defender but i think it 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 it's like almost like a bit of a band-aid fix because sure you're seeing the attacking win rate drastically go up but that all has to do with a site like it it's garage is still a fucking nightmare to get out of um and i feel like that's like i don't know i i feel like it should be in a scenario where both of the sites should be relatively equal and obviously what agents what comps you're running are going to make uh, a, a difference in which site is easier or harder for you to hit but i don't think it should necessarily just be a like ah well we made these changes to make this site more um more accessible towards attackers therefore go to this site most of the time um, and it's something that, like, NRG has been absolutely exploiting, is they just put a fuck ton of pressure on, on a ramp at the beginning of every round on split. Um, and they try to take a ramp, and then they might fall back, and they might spread back out and investigate the rest of the map, but, like, they're just abusing the fact that A is much more vulnerable, and therefore you have to focus more of your defensive efforts on that area. Which is, I like. I, I feel like it's a bandaid. Um, it's not. I or it's not truly fixing the map. So what I would say is that, like, I don't think sites need to be equally easy to hit. I think as long as like it's ease to hit, and ease to retake are relatively easy or like relatively comparable. That's that's like what you want. So I think. To confuse Hunter more, I would probably give like the example of Mirage on in CS. <laughs> like A is way easier to hit compared to B because it's so much more open. There's way more areas to or way more ways to access it because mid is a more direct line. But it's it's way easier to retake and it's designed to be like that. And mm -hmm. I think like Pearl was like A was easy to rehit or easy to hit easier to and then easier to retake whereas b was easy to hit and then the retake was just a mess so okay, and, i see what you're saying like and, i guess bind fight kind of falls into that aspect as well true yeah and yeah. uh split too i mean like b is fucking atrocious to, <laughs> b on split is so hard to get in but if you get in you get your plant there's so many more places and it's so much harder to like get in for the defenders on the retake that it kind of justifies the reward or you also have to have more mid presence if you're wanting to do a B hit. Mm -hmm. So I, 
it I... might feel like a band-aid, but I don't necessarily think sometimes band-aids are all you need. Ooh. Maybe. I, I just feel like I, I kind of disagree on how hard it is to retake B-Side on Split, just for the sole purpose being the only safe plant you can go for is very detrimental for most of the areas that you would be, um, most of the places that you'd be playing to hold off the defenders from retaking site. Like, and obviously it's, you know, it's the safe plant, and therefore it shouldn't be as good, but I just feel like it's, like, you can't play Garage, you can't play Heaven, you can't play Hell, like, you can't play CT, like, you basically have to be playing Pillar or Backside. Well, I mean, that's a bit of an oversimplification because while the yeah a little bit or yeah, and I also think the safe plan on split is probably one of the worst safe plants in the game. Like, there's other safe plants that are like relatively okay, but I mean, there's that open plant that they introduced in the rework where they added that little extra spot where you can you can see it from uh, B main or from garage. Like they created that spot where it's like you're taking full control of B site. And now, like, you can kill that from anywhere. Like, you can play Hell, you can play Close Pillar, or you can play Close by CT. There's all these areas where you can play now that it's made it, like, kind of, it's really hard now. Right, but that's kind of a hard plant to get. Well, I mean, especially in ranked. Yeah, I mean, the key thing is, in my way of looking at it, kind of agreeing with Cass here, is that you could have control of all of B site proper. But if you don't have some amount of heaven and CT control, then you can very easily get swung and killed while you're planting for garage. I was I was more thinking like total B side is in like you have like people already like setting up like you have that smoke on heaven you have everything. It's you're you're paying the price by having the safe plant, which is like what I was thinking oh, in terms for sure, of that. For sure. So like. Y- where like if you do get that safe plan only like yeah you're you're limited but now or like but you had a safe plant so yeah but now i think with pearl at least like at least it's a little bit more easier to hit or it's not as easy to rehit a little bit easier to retake for the def- for the defenders it should be good yeah i i i think the changes are I like that they're making significant changes. Um, I think it's possible that, like Cass is saying, the map becomes too defender-sided overall. But I also think it's possible that, you know, maybe teams drastically change their strategy as a result of this. Maybe teams don't run Harbor Viper all the time. And then that, you know, completely shifts how the map is viewed and ends up being more attacker-friendly. Because the post plants on A end up being better with the different utility people have, you know, I I th- I think that it's it's too early to tell. So I, I like the fact that they're taking a stab at it. God, I wish mid just didn't suck on that map. I fucking I, think... I fucking hate playing mid on attack. I fucking hate playing mid on defense. Like I just fucking hate mid on that map. I, I think that's like the the consequence of mid being so powerful on uh, four pearl, like. Yeah. It sucks to try to get control of, like, either B-Main or Art. But if you have that, it makes trying to retake any site so much harder. Yeah. So, I th- I think that's a consequence of the map, and it, it's not going to be everyone's TNO uh, 
Cass, you and Chase both notoriously hate Pearl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I yeah. the thing is, there's not gonna, like I don't know if there's going to be any changes to Pearl that you can make that'll make you fundamentally start liking the map. Totally, I just think that these help specifically with B site, which I think was the biggest problem. Like there were so many pro games that we saw where it was just like, okay, spam fests. We got yeah. plan to be okay. Woo. And yeah. everyone's just groaning after they see the plant and they're like, okay, five V five retake. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it should be a little bit less like that. And hopefully that should make the map more enjoyable overall. Yeah. Hopefully that's the case. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it ends up playing out. I mean, yeah. Oh, um, by the way, just like, uh, this is kind of nothing to do with, uh, for all whatsoever, but I, I realized one of the things in which I initially derailed Hunter's segue at the very beginning was, which is, wow. uh, somebody on, somebody on Reddit pointed out the fact that Viper is currently played on four of the seven maps in the active pool reliably. And both Icebox and Breeze aren't in the active map pool. Right. Right. Um, I didn't think about yeah, that. that's but crazy they, to yeah. think about. But yeah, so that's just like, yeah, that's kind of just like a wild stat for just how good playing Viper was in the current meta. Yeah. Um, it felt like she was like, she was like a supplementary uh, sentinel for a lot of stuff like yeah uh lotus uh you would always have a kj too because i mean the kj lockdown was just so good it is so good on uh lotus it's not going to change with any of the changes here but having viper there too to make it like oh yeah you're you're never getting into seaside because i'm gonna put my fucking orb there i'm gonna put my snake bite there and you're gonna like push into that molly and then another molly you're just gonna have the worst time imaginable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So literally anything to try to push Viper down at least a little bit, I think is probably a good thing. Um, but overall, one thing in general I'd like to say about patch notes in Valorant is that it's so much harder to see like the outcomes of this stuff because everything is so context-driven where it's... Like, we're drawing conclusions, but we're not sure exactly how it will create a new uh, meta. Like, with this widened uh, pillar, for example, maybe the attacker's smokes are on each side of the pillar, and you just, like, take the Heaven fight. Like, that could be a thing that happens, and Heaven might have more relevance, because I I personally don't find Heaven having that much relevance on Pearl right now, currently. I agree. Yeah, it pretty much just gets insta-smoked every time. Yeah, so it's like maybe like there's all these different things that could happen and it it's really weird cuz like now with the shorty changes like the price increases and everything like it's going to be reduced but are there going to be strategies now because the shorty isn't as big of a problem that arise. Mhm. Yeah, this kind of, that's very much going along the lines of what I was saying that there could be some massive meta shifts on Pearl as a result of this. Maybe not. But, you know, maybe they will be. And that kind of leads yeah. us into our uh, initial thing where we were wondering if it was going to be played at Masters Tokyo because it's like, oh, shit. Right. Th- this is a shakeup. No matter how you put it, it's a shakeup. And we don't know, like, what the overreaching consequences are going to be until probably maybe, like, two or three months down the line 
because it takes time for people to actually yeah be yeah, like so okay if, okay if masters tokyo does start on the 11th the pearl change like none of these changes are going to be in masters oh yeah that, that's true that, they, unless they, they made it, a huge exception to their yeah no because they give it yeah. they because they said minimum two weeks and like if this comes out on tuesday being the 30th um yeah, and they have slightly broken that rule before. I think there was one time they did like ten days instead of two weeks, but that would be you know like four days is a big difference, or it wouldn't quite be four days. What would it be? Oh shoot! Uh, it'd be, right well, it'd be twelve instead of fourteen days. But I, like, I, so I think they might make days, an but... exception because I'm pretty sure there was a time in the past that they did. Well, we'll see. I think it's mm-hmm. still possible. I don't think they should, but like you know, I think it's up there for as a possibility. Well, uh, Cass, you said we should make this a shorter podcast, and instead, yeah, which a we absolutely podcast. did not do. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was just so much to discuss. It felt like it was hard yeah, to try to make it not a longer podcast. Yeah, this, this was good kind stuff. Had yeah. extra discussion. I very much enjoyed right, well, this. Thanks for coming on, Blake. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. And we'll um, see you very soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah to get that uh, to get that bonus app out and. Maybe Chase will talk about. I mean, to Chase uncross out Chase on the now. sheet. Oh, very yeah, important yeah. thing to say. I we should have said this earlier, but uh, we're going to be sharing. Blake will be sharing the um, view only version of the spreadsheet we've been working from today, which has both pro and PPE stuff in it. So you, you'll be able to follow along, especially when it comes to the visual aspect of the Perl changes with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on that regard, we'll drink with you later. <laughs>